She-Hulk, Episode 4, House of the Dragon, Episode 3, and we hop into the MCU Time Machine, Episode 109, the direct podcast. Let's get it. Truth is, I am a Jedi. I'm the Vengeance. And I am Iron Man. baby welcome back the direct cast welcome everybody thank you so much for listening we're excited to give you everything you need to know about the universes you love i'm your host matt rimke attorney at law here with my co-host big brain box office correspondent david thompson david how are we feeling today Doing well, man. Pretty excited. Just had like multiple fantasy football drafts I was in over the weekend. Labor Day weekend. It was a good time. Nice three-day weekend, four-day work week for me. Um, we're in the middle of that right now. Some good content going on. Super excited for D23 uh, coming up this weekend, as, as well as the uh, Colts NFL season beginning. We're going to thump the Texans, hopefully, knock on wood uh, if we show up. So yeah, I'm doing pretty well. It's an exciting time of the year um, down here in Florida. It's still incredibly hot. Um, I can't wait for next month when things maybe start cooling down a bit, but right now it's just scorching and terribly humid. So other than that, doing well. It's very hot here in Denver as well. It's not even kind of humid at all, though, which is why I picked this state to live in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like 97 out here today, man. It's it's tough out here wow. in the streets. Um yeah, man, football coming up, a lot of fantasy drafts as well over the past few days. Um, I have not looked into gambling at all and it is my job so i'll say I, that's I ironic that. yeah <laughs> <laughs> i i should i should look into all of that but uh no i'm excited i'm on my third straight 12 hour day wow. so you know we're we're rolling right along but i'm excited to be here uh taking a little break from the sports to talk about um a lot of a lot of fantastical things you know we got some marvel news we got um dc news a little bit we can talk about star wars a little today it's been very marvel centric yeah uh, recently but you know that's what the content calendar provides d23 this weekend uh for those who don't know last week we had our d23 predictions episode uh we had our buddy sam hargrave on um we gave our top three predictions each for this weekend we did it a week early because we didn't want you know leaks and reports to start happening and we missed the boat on some things so make sure to check that out um last week's episode our d23 predictions um Today, we're going to be doing kind of a, you know, a last chance to look at phase four before we know even more about what's coming in in the MCU. But yeah, uh, yeah so check out um, last week's episode for predictions and next week, Sunday, September 11th, we will have a D23 bonus episode. That's right. Me, David will be breaking down all of the news coming this weekend. We wanted to have Tim Gettys on, but. Uh, we thought we should get the episode out quicker than what his schedule allows. We will have Tim back on for something down the line. So next Sunday, it's just going to be me and David hashing it out, man. You know, just talking about all the things and the stuff. Yeah, and, hopefully there's a lot to hash. I'm really hoping. I mean, hey, they said, and we got a lot of, we ended up getting a lot at San Diego Comic-Con, but they were like, you know what? We're saving some stuff for D23. There's going to be a lot there. So there better be, right? I mean, they're having a whole like Hall H panel seemingly Saturday morning. Cannot wait to cover it over on the direct.com. By the way, speaking of D23 coverage, make sure you're locked in 
thedirect.com. We're covering it all weekend over there. We are locked in, ready, and loaded. So make sure to stay up on, stay tuned on thedirect.com. And also Sunday, um, as you're tuning into football in the afternoon, if you're a football fan, we will also have a podcast up talking all those good things. Hopefully a Fantastic Four director and cast, as my prediction was last week, but we'll see. Yeah, and hey, you know, let's just keep it going. There's one more level of pumping our own shit, right? Me and David both <laughs> have a rankings article live on the direct.com mm. right now as you speak. David ranked upcoming uh, Phase 5 projects, correct? Just Phase 5, yep. Phase 5 movies uh, ranked by their um, box office uh, potential. potential. Yep. Potential. Yeah, their potential to make some cash. At yeah. the box office, I have a rankings article about phase four projects and how important they are to the end game of uh, Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. Make sure to check those out as well. Yep. Me and David get a little extra love with all those eyes, all of your beautiful eyes. That's enough of the house cleaning, David. Let's dive into it. We got a quick one here for to start this one off. No transition. We're going to go right into it. Spider-Man No Way Home. Ever heard of it? I've heard of it. Yep. Seen it a few times. It's a good Not one. recently, but I've seen it a few times. Yeah. Well, I have seen it recently. I went into theaters on Labor Day and checked out the Spider-Man No Way Home extended cut with 11 minutes of extra footage. David, he watched the footage online. Um, before we dive into it, David, I have a question. You are the most movie theatery guy I think I know. You know, not only do you enjoy <laughs> going to the movie theaters, but you also enjoy the business of the movie theaters. You know a lot about it. I have my theater here in downtown Denver, the Denver Pavilion at the 16th Street Mall. It's on the third cool. floor of an outdoor mall. I absolutely love it. It's where I saw Infinity War. It's where I saw Black Panther. It's where I saw Endgame. It's where I saw a lot of my favorite phase three movies, Cool, um, amongst other things. I went in there to watch the No Way Home extended cut the other day. There was four people in there. Uh, it was a, it was a it was a four in the afternoon showing, which I love. Yeah. Um, RPX, you know, the nicest seats in the game, huge double wide Dolby sound, the whole thing. Nice. It may have been 105 degrees. <laughs> it was so hot, man. So oh, no. hot. When is it time to give up on your favorite shitty theater? And just go to start going to nicer theaters. That is an excellent question. And I think it's an interesting question because I, I feel like it's going to happen uh, forcibly sometime soon. Uh, as we've talked about on this podcast, I think there's some theaters and some chains that just may go the way of the dodo bird and not be with us anymore. And money may be pumping more into from AMC, like AMC specifically, we know are putting a bunch of money and they're changing all their theaters right now to those laser um projectors to make mm. a better kind of dolby-esque i believe uh you know like projection those like true true blacks and stuff sure. and i think what we might see is like oh oh we didn't get to a certain amc theater you know what we're gonna just get rid of it entirely so you might be forced to do that but i totally recommend um to anyone out there especially as we i feel like less people go to the movies on a general uh, everyday basis not every day but like every week every two weeks basis because right now there's a dead zone in the movie theater business like make going to a movie a real event i you won't regret it like when i saw top gun maverick i seen it only twice Ugh. and i'm kind of glad that's the only time i've seen it because it it still has that magic for me i saw it in imax opening night and then i saw it in um 4dx which was a premiere <laughs> 
we're moving around we're gyrating we get like the the fans going super interesting experience but it was it was premium right it was something interesting to go to the theater for so i'd recommend doing that because i kind of think it, it for me it keeps some of that like sparkle of going to a theater and having a fun experience besides like just a big screen in an uncomfortable seat yeah well that's why i do the rpx those seats are awesome top of the line yeah. just the greatest um yeah you know like i said Denver pavilion it's my favorite movie theater it's the one i go to the most it's an absolute dump <laughs> so so uh i need them to at least fix their ac if i'm gonna be spending all yeah, that's that money brutal to go that's out. brutal spider-man no way home extended edition um overall thoughts watching the entire movie i got two things to say um that movie still kicks ass it's amazing i love it so much yeah the extra 11 minutes um out of the extra 11 minutes there's probably 90 seconds i'm like i wish could have been in the original cut Okay. Um, not to say any of it was bad. None of it was bad, but they're deleted scenes for a reason. You know, there's yeah. a reason that they didn't make the cut. Um, and the only ones I wish were in the original cut was more Peters talking to each other, and that scene was long enough as it was. You know yep. what I mean? That that was already a pretty long scene of just characters talking to each other. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm glad none of this made the final cut, but I do think it's worth checking out the extended cut. There was kind of three main things and then two smaller scenes if i may uh there's the extended interrogation scene where we get more of that dodc agent who isn't jake johnson uh david did you would you get a chance to check those out yeah i've seen every scene on youtube um so (laughs) or read a description so So what do we think of not jake johnson who ended up being uh you know a key supporting character in miss marvel yeah, uh, that's a great question. Uh, I Similar to you, I didn't watch the movie like I just stated. Like, I didn't go out to a theater and rewatch it. I saw this, by the way, full disclosure, five times when it first released in theaters. So, and I had a, a busy lot. Labor Day weekend. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to force it. It's going to, it's nearly three hours long now. Um, I'm just going to watch them online. And it's like, I ha- I bought the Blu-ray. They, they, they've sucked enough money out of it, even with National Cinema Day on Saturday. Um, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to pass on this, even though I am. Mr. No Way Home when it Mr. comes movies. to yeah, Mr. Movies, whatever you said. Uh the most movie theatery person, you know. <laughs> well, you're awesome. the box office correspondent, David. Yep. You should own your title if you're gonna be here. <laughs> I know, I know. I own it. I'm here. <laughs> movie theatery, that's me. Um, let's go on my LinkedIn. So uh yeah. yeah, the interrogation scene. I thought it was completely like to me in general, they sort of just toss stuff that hit the cutting room floor just for literally for fun, right? Just to kind of be able to promote this new extended cut and make more money. But I didn't think that one specifically added much at all, um, seemingly to the story, at least from what I could tell from like the cutout version. I do like that guy. Um, I like him in Miss Marvel. Yeah. I like him in No Way Home originally. Um, the way he talks to Ned is continuously funny. Mm-hmm. um guy in the chair dude i got like five guys in the chair it's totally fine I didn't yeah know that. it's all yeah. like i like him I'm, I'm excited he seems to be a part of everything moving forward with damage control kind of being that um i don't know it's it's them it's sword um you know we have a couple government entities that might be getting in the way as david sips out of a jaguars cup which is gross i told um, you the story behind this thing man so gross 
<laughs> the the next section of extended scenes we got was a character that was virtually cut out of the movie, and that's Betty Brant. Um, Betty Brant uh, got an entire high school production interview segment, a very 60 minutes with her Katie Kirk haircut, which I love. <laughs> um, uh, more Betty. This is this is you know you can clearly see this was her role in the movie, and they decided to cut it out, so she got the one terrible tiger line in No Way Home. Um, so what do we think of just getting this bit for a third time? And it really is like a tribute bit. You know, this has been the John Watts homecoming trilogy move is that shitty high school production, which I think plays. Yeah, it does. It does play. I agree. And I think that there's scenes like this that were in the movie initially that were on the script in the script that were more of a true sequel to homecoming and far from home when it comes to like the base high school antic story and the characters they developed so far and then they're cutting it and they're like you know what this movie's more than that <laughs> you know that we've we're going to a, a more personal place with peter in this one we're going to obviously all the multiversal stuff but really what no way home does is it kind of just gets more personal it gets almost smaller in a way it's less about like going to class and it's way more about just him yeah exactly like it's, it's just about like his own issues and discovery and within himself and obviously is help from peter one and peter or peter two and peter three so anyway yeah betty brand that that seemed very on brand for you know the homecoming brand but i see where they cut it once again they're uh, like i hear what you're saying oh, where i feel like all of these i see why they were cut there's nothing yeah. like Oh shit! Like I wish they kept that in the movie. There was not one moment rewatching these, except for, uh, and we can save it, I guess. But the post credit scene, right? The po- the post credit scene where we kind of get a little more of an idea of how the spell worked. That's the only thing, or something like that, I would have liked to see in the actual movie. What? You didn't. You laughed, Peter. There's a post credit. I gotta go watch. I mean, like I said, it was 103 degrees. It was three <laughs> hours, and I knew, and I knew the post credit scene, so I left. Right. Um, okay, I gotta check that out. We'll talk about that a little more next week. I do want to shout out the actress <laughs> who plays That's Betty so Brant, Australian actress, um, Angori Rice, I think is how we say her first name. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's spelled Angori. Um, I love her in the Betty Brant role. She was in Mare of East, how much people love. She is the little girl in one of my top five favorite movies of all time called The Nice Guys, starring Russell Crowe. Okay, and Ryan yeah. Gosling, she plays the daughter and she is incredible in that movie. That is one of the funniest movies ever made. Um, go check out the nice guys little early weekly wreck. Um, since that's kind of gone away with House of the Dragon. Um, and the last thing, more Peters talking to each other. Um, you know, probably second, maybe first best scene of the whole movie is the three Peters interacting with each other talking about being spider-man all those things it's just a little bit more of that a little bit more andrew garfield quip toby mcguire is just awesome in that adult role um as you know the older peter parker it's the best acting he's done as peter parker in his career in my opinion who um toby mcguire oh okay wow yeah i I think that's the best toby mcguire as peter parker we have ever gotten and will Mm. ever get um interesting I, I i i think he fits the oldest of the three vibe you know yeah. as, as specific as that is he he does that well i love um, it in the lab you really get that sense when they're in the lab together oh yeah yeah, My, yeah. well and something Goggles i realized on. <laughs> yeah something i realized rewatching. there's two or three and maybe with this extra footage there was another added 
um, where Andrew Garfield, and we know Andrew Garfield's the sassiest of the three. He's the middle child, right? He's the like right. the middle no, child. I'm, I'm talking three. just more personality wise. He, oh yeah. yeah, middle child is actually but exactly it. Bit. Yeah. Um. So he he kind of goes at Tobin Wire with a quip, you know, like, "Well, you go dress like a youth pastor, you know, uh, Chrysler Building, Empire State. It's a better view." Every time Andrew Garfield jabs at him like that, Tobin Wire is very much just soft grin. Yeah, you're right, man. You know. Yeah. You go on, youngster, kind of thing. And I think <laughs> it, it just play, they play off it. Those two play off each other so well in this movie yeah and going into the movie i remember that being something like you know we're all talking about tom holland talking to the other peters what about those two talking to each other what's that going to be like crushes every time also toby versus lizard i think is an underrated fight sequence in that mm. movie it's quick but the fact that Tommy wire the biggest of the three the most physical of the three i think and i think a lot of that is his movies were made before aerial attacks were as doable as they were in later movies yeah um, good so point. he's much more of the bruiser of the three spider-man him versus lizard awesome scene i just want to shout that out real quick yeah um the only uh so sorry uh uh the extra peter stuff did you like that uh do, do you wish we got more of that do you want a tv show dedicated to just that concept god yes i definitely want the last part <laughs> um uh, i loved the little line I want to see the holes. You know, that was yeah, so funny. That creepy. that played great. Yeah, that was like <laughs> hilarious uh, in the little like clip I saw. But yeah, I mean, to funny. me, I liked how it was interesting seeing like retroactively what the scene was before they trimmed it because it literally plays. It doesn't it's not like an additional scene. It's like just more added to that same scene. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of interesting to see how they actually cut it. But no, I, I genuinely look based on the footage. I think that they cut the movie perfectly, especially if it's a long film to begin with. It's like mm -hmm. they really nailed it and they kept, I think, the best parts of those scenes. They kind of just extended. Like, honestly, the one thing that I thought was maybe most valuable from what I saw was like Peter crawling on the walls in school and stuff like that. Like that was I thought that was pretty interesting because to me, mentioning it earlier, that feels like more of a connection to what this trilogy has been before diving into the whole you know, Dr. Strange of it all, basically. And and the struggle. Like, it, the No Way Home is an interesting end cap to a trilogy because it really, like, takes place outside of what the trilogy had been before then, between Homecoming and Far From Home. Meaning, with the school a lot, right? With those kids a lot, this kind of really veers off into its own amazing, amazing story. Um, but that scene, I think played pretty well because even in even in the yeah. movie theater i remember the first time watching it's like wow we're going quick right we're like yeah. yep okay everyone knows who he is he's walking through the hallway and then boom we're on the roof oh man it's so nice up here right and then we just keep going see what i'm what saying so yeah so mm -hmm. i thought that was pretty good but i'm not complaining right and i'm no. kind of happy i didn't go see it at this point because i love the movie but i mean I, and i'd like to see it in theaters again i suppose but i already saw it so many times in theaters maybe in like a year i'd want to go see it in theaters again <laughs> And I think it's tough to complain because No Way Home is in that upper echelon of like one of the best paced comic movies. You know, obviously like Dark Knight's the gold standard. Nobody's ever going to be better paced than Dark Knight. I think it's the best paced movie of all time. No Way Home does such a good job with their pacing that it takes what you just said, how it is this much more fantastic concept than the first two from a plot standpoint. But the pacing and the personality of the movie, excuse me, 
<clears throat> it really does bring back that homecoming style, that far from home style where it is about Peter. Like, like going in, that was the biggest criticism I had going in was, is this movie being as big as it is going to take away from Tom Holland's story? No, it added to it so much. And I think a lot of that is the pacing. So when you take out those scenes that were taken out, it's hard to be like, yeah, I wish they were in there because would that have messed up the pacing? Maybe it would have. Yeah. Um, a couple other things. Tom Holland's brother got in there. Uh, Jay Jonah got a few more lines. Um, during that high school line, they yelled freak, which I thought was um, a very poignant point in the movie. But that's, you know, save that for X-Men, right? Um, hmm. The Matt Murdock Happy Hogan scene was hyper disappointing. It wasn't anything. Murdoch didn't say anything. Um, but, you know, he, his pop still pops every time I see this movie. So, No Way Home's still good. I guess that's the news of the day, right? <laughs> breaking. Um, yeah, exactly. And speaking of breaking, speaking of news, let's get into everything you need to know about the universes you love with the star of Spider-Man No Way Home, J. Jonah Jameson. Spider-Man wasn't attacking the city. He was trying to save it. That's slander. It is not. I resent that. Slander is spoken. In print, it's libel. Two Marvel stories, two stories from the red brand coming from insiders today, one of them being Deadline's Justin Kroll. He reveals on the Town podcast that Florence Pugh will be the lead of the Thunderbolts movie, um, going on to say that this movie will play as a Yelena Belova spinoff um, from her appearance in Black Widow. David, Florence Pugh, Thunderbolts lead, kind of the the... Tony Stark of that team, if you will, as far as just, you know, how much importance to the story. A Yelena spinoff. How does that make you feel? Uh, yeah, um, I'm not surprised by it. Uh, I actually listened to the podcast of The Town with Matthew Bellany. Uh, it's a really good show. He's uh, He writes for Puck. He's a business like uh, expert, really, for Hollywood. And the town means like, you know, the town of Hollywood. And it was interesting. The, the podcast, they're doing a uh, buy or sell of all these different young stars that are under 30 and like would you buy or sell them right now almost like if they were stocks like, would you invest in the rest of their career or would you sell them now have they reached a peak and it was obviously florence Pugh was up and that's when it got brought up so i'm like and i remember listening to me like oh my gosh like <laughs> this, this is awesome Cute. because it makes sense um florence Pugh is definitely gonna be the biggest name uh, of that movie um she is a star she is amazing uh, i don't know if you've seen the movie little women um matt but it is a yeah, it's a great movie, um, and she is phenomenal in it. Like, and I, I think that was one of the first movies or anything I'd seen her in. I haven't seen Midsummer. Um, that's the other one she's known for. But Little Women, I've seen, and she's awesome in that. And then obviously the rest that she's been in, she has Don't Worry, Darling, and all that drama happening comes out later this month. And I think that she is primed to lead a Marvel. I think I think her leading a Marvel film makes money which is a awesome situation for the MCU right now where they can put her face on everything and that will sell because she's awesome. She's hyper talented. And I think Elena is a great character. They've introduced in the MCU. Like I think she's one of the best they've handled so far in phase four already had her in black widow already had her again in Hawkeye. Um, so I think it'd be really cool to see how this develops the Thunderbolts team itself and how she will be the leader, right? If she is the one uh, at the top of the, you know, IMDb, what does that mean for the story, right? What does that mean for Yelena actually leading this team? Why is she the leader? What is the mission? So I'm excited to hear all those answers or questions be answered, I should say. Yep, I I, uh, I echo everything you said. I think that 
you look at her two appearances in the MCU so far, and she's done so much for the Yelena character in just two movies in two totally different ways, right? She shares the screen with arguably the biggest MCU legend in Scarlett Johansson and Black Widow, you know, a top top five MCU person of all time, Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Um, and it feels like they've known each other forever. And that chemistry is immediately there. And uh, we talk, uh, me and Liam talked about it when we reviewed the movie. It's so difficult to have chemistry with a character we've seen so much already. And that's what a lot of the issue is with these franchises that go a little too long. It's a great point. You bring, you bring in new characters to try to have chemistry with characters where it's not just that we know how Scarlett Johansson's Natasha talks and acts. We know how she would respond to other people. Like what if Tony had said this or what if Cap had said this? We know so much about her. For Yelena to come in and have that chemistry so down right away, I think is really impressive. And then you go to Hawkeye, where she is an established character that's already had her own movie with this new character that we love, and the chemistry is there even then. So she has chemistry with older characters, newer characters across the board. You know what a great comp for Florence Pugh in the MCU is? Mm. Scarlett Johansson. Like I think she has a Scarlett Johansson vibe where you put her on screen with anybody and we're going to have a good time watching it. Having her be the focal point of this team-up movie of rogues, misfits, and ne'er-do-wells. How how much do they do well? Ne'er. Um, so I think it's going to be really awesome. I also love the idea of it being a Yelena spinoff. Um, we've talked about that a handful of times in different projects throughout uh, Phase 4, but um, I think that having this feel like a Yelena spinoff is really cool. Yeah. Um, Another quick one, John Campia. Um, John Campia's show. Is that his YouTube show? John Campia show, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Um, um, he says that he has sources that Jody Comer will be playing Sue Storm in the Fantastic Four. Um, not sure how much precedent we should put on a John Campia rumor. Obviously, it's funny. We're talking about No Way Home and John Campia in the same episode. It just um, it's natural, it's fate. It is, it is what it, it is, is man. It's the universe. Yeah, a ton of respect for John Cambia, you know, being one of the first internet nerds, making a huge living off of it, being hyper successful. He's featured me on his show before. Tons of respect. Um, don't agree with a lot of his takes, but that doesn't mean his rumors aren't good. So his best take ever, Man of Steel is a great movie. And I'm a huge Campia fan. He honestly, their old show at AMC and then Collider, like is a inspiration to me as well. Um, but yeah, it's definitely interesting to see how his how his career has gone and also the whole no way home stuff. Um, he had a rough others. 2021. He yeah. There was definitely some controversy, controversial things happening, but man, does he run a well-oiled machine over there with what he does. Um, so who knows? This could be legit. We don't know. Absolutely. Nothing but respect uh, for Campia. Absolutely. But uh, uh, Jody Comer, um, I have not seen her in a lot, but she is in killing Eve, which people love. Um, have we seen free guy. Oh, 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 love Jodie Comer. That's her. She is great in that movie. Yes, that's her. With the wig? With the wig. And then she's, she's also fantastic. in real life. Yeah, right? That got me excited. She's fantastic. Yeah. She could be um, good. She's also in, you know, your favorite Star Wars movie, Rise of Skywalker. She's Ray's mom. Um, oh, is she really? I didn't know yeah, that. She is. She that's is. She's awesome. a gorgeous human being. Um, Yeah, I think that plays. You know, she's had a lot of, a lot of blockbuster experience. This could be a big, this could be a big get for the MCU. So, uh, Keep an eye out for D23, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we go from D23, a Disney-run announcement show. Let's head over to DC, who has their own announcement show that we all know and love. Uh, Perry? Crime wave in Gotham. Other breaking news. Water wet. So they canceled DC fandom. <laughs> you know, it's sure just, did. 
we're about to get D23, and they're like, you know what we should do? We should cancel our D23. Um, DC Fandom, it's, it was a great two years. Was what it ever officially time? like planned, though? Or were they just like, yeah. you know, we're not going to do it? I have no idea. I think I think somebody finally asked, when's it coming? And they were like, no, it's not. My issue is like, what would they show right now? Because I feel like they Adam don't know. Trailer. Exactly. Like, <laughs> Comic-Con was pretty telling. They Three showed a Shazam and Black Adam. Then they pushed Aquaman nine months. So it's one of those things where I'm not surprised by this. And this news you're about to say adds on to it. They don't know what they're doing quite yet. And Absolutely. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, David alludes to it. Instead of showing a Black Adam trailer at DC Fandom for a third straight year, think about that. It would have been the third straight year of a Black Adam trailer. Um, or, you know, look, um, yeah. they canceled DC Fandom, and that's coming off the heels of the reports from CNBC that Dan Lin, the man we talked about last year, taking over the quote-unquote Kevin Foggy role for DC at Warner Brothers Discovery. It turns out Dan Lin is not taking the job this is as if a nfl head coach would accept a job hire his staff get on a plane fly halfway to indianapolis turn around and go back um i hate the raiders guess and screw off no no i'm glad frank right no i'm very happy but like they at least got the hey we're actually i'm actually going to commit josh mcdaniels oh yeah that's nice congratulations congratulations (laughs) raiders like that's nice Vegas is a lot nicer than Indy that. Let me tell you that. Um, so Dan Lynn not taking the Kevin Foggy role for DC. David, um, weird question. Are you surprised? No. And I'll tell you why. Because Dan Lynn, I alluded to this in a tweet I had, um, is he is a very busy producer already. He signed on, I believe, with both Disney and um, Netflix for a bunch of different movies to produce, including like the Aladdin two live action with maybe Will Smith Lilo and stitch live action. I mean, a bunch of different stuff. And I think a few other things um, for, oh, I think the, actually that new uh, avatar, the last airbender uh, show on Netflix as well. So he's, he's in a lot of interesting IP driven content already. Obviously he had a draw to DC. They were an interesting from WBD's perspective, Dan Lin was an interesting, maybe smart choice to go after because he had as an interest a already um, a history resume. of DC, basically. Yeah, a great resume and an interest there with their IP, with DC comic books, because he ha- he's the guy who basically was behind, in many ways, the Lego movie and Batman Lego movie. And Batman Lego movie, in a lot of ways, was an excuse to make a DC film, Superhero but in Bat in yeah, in Batman form. And I, I forget the person's name, but um one of the producers too, and maybe Dan Lynn was involved in this as well. But back in 2008, 2009, there was gonna be they were working on that um Justice League. I forget what it was gonna be called. There was a Justice League movie that was being planned, and their Army Hammer was Batman and a bunch of other different casting, and they were wow. working on it, get scrapped, right? It was gonna, it was just gonna be a they were gonna do a Justice League movie first. And then make solos after that of the different um, heroes, and that obviously ended up not happening. Uh, it would have no, been confusing. <laughs> well, it did well eventually. Yes, what we ended up getting actually ended up being quite similar, which is pretty ironic <laughs> um, because they initially scrapped it. But anyway, then they end up uh, making the DC or sorry, the Batman Lego movie. So it was an interesting shout, I would say, for WBD. 
But this is a hard job to take right now. Like this is a losing situation. And it's crazy to think that in 2022, getting to take over, take the reins of DC Comics, DC Comics in film, live action film is a hassle, a pain and a losing situation. Like if you had told me that in 2005, first off, I would have been seven years old and been like, what are you talking about? But if I was this age in 2005 and you told me that and had all the information I know now, it's like, please take it like that is a that is a prime time job. Like there is so much there. DC. I mean, growing up, DC to me was more popular than Marvel in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like DC, I feel like was more the premier um, comic book brand between Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Green Lantern, Aquaman, maybe not Aquaman. But <laughs> beyond that, I, I feel like it's just really disheartening that. Now, DC is at a point where I am not at all surprised that someone who is qualified, has a good resume, interest in DC would be like, you know what? I'm going to pass. I'm just going to keep doing my career the way it's going right now. Produce some big budget films for Disney, Netflix, some series. And you guys can deal with that on your own because it is a currently losing situation. Whoever ends up taking this position is going to be under a lot of scrutiny, one, and two, an uphill battle right for years and i'm talking years they want to have that 10-year plan it's going to take 15 probably to dig themselves out of this unless they turn things around really quickly but i doubt it's possible right and this is you know this is no slight to alan horn or anybody involved but it's just it's somewhat telling that a young um minority up-and-coming showrunner turned down a job when you know now their biggest hire as of late is Alan Horn, which no offense is an old white, you know. So it's 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 just interesting how the stuck in your ways vibe around WBD right now just seems to be exemplified by Dan Lynn, one of the up, most up and coming showrunners in the business right now, not wanting to be a part of that. Um, David, I give you you know five billion dollars right here right now to put in a stock. Would it be Sony Pictures or? Warner Brothers Discovery when it comes to comic book movies. Oh my gosh, what a freaking question. Think about uh it depends let me on just, the cost. Let me just, let me just run something, <laughs> let me just run something yeah. through. One has Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Green Lantern, and the Flash. The other has Venom and Craven the Hunter. Um I mean it's sad that I haven't had to think about it, right? Well, my answer might be Sony. Yeah. Well, they still have Spider-Man too, right? And I think they're oh. actually well. And, well, they do because, and I think they've actually positioned themselves since 2015 with working with Disney. That is that has been the best decision they ever freaking made. 100%. Like that, that made them two billion dollar Spider-Man movies, something that had never happened before, right? And yeah. No Way Home is almost at two billion. So, yeah. and that would have never. And Homecoming ever, is masterclass yeah. shit. Yeah, and Homecoming was uh, very highly regarded. Um, people fell in love with Tom Holland and was definitely the best Spider-Man movie. Great reboot, an incredible way to reboot something into mm -hmm. the MCU and not make us feel tired of the character after the Amazing Spider-Man films. Like it, it was such a great decision by them, and I know they make their own Sony movies. Madam Web's going to be good, but if to answer back to your question, I think I have to take DC. But it's close. It's a question. It's a debate which is incredibly wow. sad like that's unbelievable mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, i might flip my answer back to wbd because i think about it the last three projects that come out of the dceu i've thoroughly enjoyed my top three dceu projects have been the last three dceu projects yep um the last three sony movies 
arguably some of the worst comic book movies of all time. You know right. what I mean? Like, like there's an argument to be made, especially with Morbius and Venom 2. Venom 1, I think, has redeemability, but that's it. And it's interesting, man. Those are two interesting studios. We'll see what happens with DC. Um, we're going to skip the Star Wars content, but just real quick about D23. I think what I'm most excited about is Star Wars announcements. Yeah. You know what I mean? We need something. You know, we need something to latch onto. Andor's coming. There isn't anything past Andor that is set in stone. Let's set some shit in stone. Let's make it happen. And then uh, while, while things are happening, She-Hawk, Attorney at Law, Episode 4. Ladies and gentlemen, the greatest Marvel character of all time. I met a guy, and I haven't heard from him. And it sucks. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into She-Hawk, Attorney at Law, Episode 4. Um, just under the halfway point, I believe. For this yeah. season, or I guess this is halfway with it being nine episodes, right? Kind of, sort of. Halfway is through next episode works? will be halfway. <laughs> <laughs> halfway through next week, we'll be halfway. We'll make sure to hop on for an emergency pod. <laughs> yeah. Now it's halfway point. Um, and we are now in the same playing field, David. This is the last episode that was given to the press. I think that can be felt um, in this one, and I'm very excited to talk about that. But real quick, last week. Uh, shout out to Savannah Sanders for jumping in, filling in yep. for the She-Hulk episode three review while I was in the woods. Um, you guys did awesome, <laughs> by the way. Two big old brains over there doing some big old brain stuff. And uh, so just really quick, my thoughts on episode three. Um, you know, you love to see Wong. You can't hate seeing Wong and stuff. I thought he brought a lot of great things to the show in this format. I thought it was very funny. Um, the shapeshifter is, I think, a glaring omission from the goodness of that episode. I did not find her particularly entertaining at all. More annoying, yeah. if anything else, I guess. Um, I have an issue with introducing a shapeshifter so randomly like that when scrolls are looming. Right. Um, I yep. I don't think it's going to they're they're gonna have to do something special when the first scroll is revealed to let us know that it's a bad thing you know what mm -hmm. i mean for people who don't know that scrolls are bad it's going to be very tough to get that over at this point other than that though i, I thought it was a really fun episode um nikki is just a delightful human being um when she said uh i said a thirst trap it's a picture of me with a bunch of books i laugh every single time i find her delightful and uh, yeah, I thought it was a good episode. I thought it led really well into this episode. Episode four, um, we have a title, I'm sure. It's uh, This Is Not Real Magic, or Is This Not Real Magic, I guess would be the quote from Donnie Blaze there. David, your overall spoiler-free thoughts. Yeah, spoiler-free, excuse me, thoughts here um, when it comes to episode four is kind of a continuation of episode three where I'm slowly questioning whether I really like this show a lot. Um, it, it, these quick hit episodes, um, I feel like I have this weird sensation watching the show that everything is happening and I don't feel super attached to anything. And I don't know why that is, honestly. Like, I, I watch it. There's some things that I enjoy about it, but nothing to me is like, they're not hitting anything out of the park. They're not like nailing anything perfectly. It's a new, it, it's definitely new for the MCU, like what this show is and how they're handling it. And I don't think that the comedy in it is top notch. I do think you can describe it as a comedy, but it's still not like the first thing I think of like, oh my gosh, I'm belly laughing at She-Hulk. Sure, there's funny moments, 
but nothing to me that's like making it go over the top or really sticking out in this like big way. I just feel like there's something non-circumstantial about or non uh what's what I'm looking for like not circumstantial but consequential sorry non-consequential about the show like I almost feel like we're just going through the motions even how it ended and there's like the joke of like well that's a weird way to end the show and I'm like yeah it is sorry that wasn't really a spoiler free thought but <laughs> um <laughs> well, we don't know why that's a weird way to end the show you know what I mean yeah, for, exactly. for those psychos out here who listen to this podcast without watching the content you know yeah. they're going to be all up in arms well why is it so weird <laughs> we go watch the show so yeah that's my overall thoughts I'm, I, I generally am like it's pleasant to watch but I'm not, I don't feel invested in it and that I think is the issue and that's been a problem since Banner left for me what do you what do you think, Matt? I'm curious what your thoughts are. Missed you last week. Excited to have you back now. All caught up. I'm excited to be here, David. I really am. Um, home run, slam dunk, ten out of ten episode for what she all is. Mm. I I really feel that way. I I think that this show is delivering. And you mentioned it. It's something very new. This is some. This is such different entertainment. And shout out to um, Andy Cortez over there. Kind of funny, um, yeah. future friend of the show. Um, he had an amazing analogy in their review. Um, make sure to go check that out. Screencast starring um, good friend Tim Gettys. They do a lot of great work over there. Um, he had a great analogy to where like, this is junk food. You know, like Endgame is a prime steak dinner. You know, and it, I almost stopped at the word steak, but I feel like Endgame's a steak dinner. You know, you got the sides, you got your drinks, you got your appetizers, the whole thing. This yep. is just a big bag of candy. This is just you know, a, a midnight McDonald's Uber Eats order, you know, this is junk food. And I know I'm not getting anything out of it. That's going to make my life substantially better, but man, I'm enjoying it at the moment. Yeah. And, and I think that I agree with you. Nothing is belly laughing out of my chair. Hilarious. But I think it is consistently funny over and over and over. And I think that this episode is where she Hulk hits its stride into where we've settled into the format. Now we've, we, the, Remember the end of the first episode, how it was jarring, how it was so cinematic for the first 90%, and then it had that sitcom hit at the end? You know, that crash burn comedy right, right there at the end? That yeah. was really jarring. And they've been, you know, they've been getting us into it, and now I feel like we're fully immersed, and I feel like I'm watching an episode of New Girl. I feel like I'm watching right. a, just a great sitcom TV show, which just so happens to be, oh, is it my favorite type of content? That's a great question. It's definitely my most watched content. There's no doubt about that, but that doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean favorite, right? Um, yeah. I, I think we're hitting our stride, and I think, you know, again, this isn't Endgame. This isn't a character study that Moon Knight was, and this isn't a comedy like Peacemaker, where it is like more of a movie-type comedy in Peacemaker. I think this is yeah. straight-up sitcom junk food, and I'm loving it, and for what this show is, this episode is perfect for what they're trying to present, in my opinion. David, before we get into spoiler stuff, have we ever been so opposite on something? Um, maybe not on the podcast. And honestly, I think there's some things. With, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think there's some things. That's a mean. Spider-Man two dig. That's a Spider-Man two dig right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, maybe someday. Um, we'll dive into that ginormous rabbit hole. Yeah, that's gonna I, be a whole episode, guys. <laughs> there's been some doing that for two years. I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Pract- <laughs> practically, um. I think with some things, me and you, Matt, which I think is uh, makes this a fun podcast and to talk to with you all the time every week, 
because I think we see some things um, in very similar ways. Like you even start off your entire sentence there with, I agree with you, David, but and went on to basically like explain why you actually like some of the things. And it's really just our perspectives on uh, different mm-hmm. topics where like there's certain projects we see in actually similar ways because they're kind of presented to us in a certain way. And it's how we take in that information. And yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and completely like hate on episode four. Like We're about to dive into the spoilers, but I'm not. We're, we're trending in different directions, right? There's like a nexus point in the middle. And we're both now kind of teetering in different directions, which will be interesting as we continue on of She-Hulk. Because we don't know what's happening next week, week after. I mean, Matt Murdock's going to pop up at some point. I'm very interested to see how that goes. Dude, the more HD those pictures of his suit get, the more excited I get. That is a yeah. good looking fit right there. Um, you said something last week. You've uh, liked each episode less as we've gone on. I have personally liked each episode more. Um, episode one was so different. You know, I, I liked episode, that episode one for so many different reasons than I like this episode. They're completely different shows. Episode one, episode four. Anyway, let's yeah. get into it. Spoiler time. Now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. All right. Um, I mentioned earlier, this is junk food. You know what I mean? And one of the all-time junk foods is a nice bucket of good popcorn, mm, mm. butter, salt, however you like it. David, what is your good popcorn for She-Hulk episode four? Wong, I thought, was amazing in this episode. And I didn't expect him to be in this one as much, but I thought it was so much fun. Like, uh, we've talked about it before, but the I think what where this show does its best work is the interconnectivity of the MCU and having Wong there as Sorcerer Supreme dealing with these issues. Um, the like the, the like Dobby demon things coming out of the, the woodwork. Weird um, design. Very weird, weird design. design. I thought of Dobby immediately from Harry yeah. Potter. Yes. <laughs> I was creeped out. I was genuinely a little scared of this. Weird. No, totally. They they were not very MCU-esque. And huh. um no, I thought Wong was actually a really fun. I Benedict Wong in the character. He's so he's so, he just found his stride in that character. He's so funny <laughs> on like completely uh, just casually not trying. It just comes naturally like the way he delivers lines. He's so funny to me. Even just thinking about the line in uh, Multiverse of Madness, fortify your minds. And like, yeah. I don't know what it is about that. He's just such a funny character. And I love how it, he's actually a genuine like guest character guest spot on this show and that's where i think the show really i think um is at its best it dives into like talking about a guest spot like how it is kind of like sitcom right it's like it's like when urkel was on full house for a little bit right for like a couple episodes you know it's like the guy guy from the (laughs) the guy from the other show that you love it's like all right cool he's here now we're having a fun little crossover memory for me i forgot urkel's in full house (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah a couple times and i remember being a head kid watching the everyone's like oh my gosh this is amazing well then stefan showed up i'm like Oh, yeah, <laughs> that show is so good. Family Matters, yeah. Full House. God, great shows. I, amazing. And uh, yeah, so I thought Wong being back in the MCU, he really actually had some like plot to him. This case, there actually was like, I mean, he was in court. There was a lawsuit. There was all this nonsense. Um, but I thought his portrayal, his performance mm-hmm. was great in this one. What was your first bit of good popcorn? Yeah, uh, just real quick on Wong, you know, yeah. you mentioned like he actually has a plot. He was the case this time. I think that's unexpected, yeah. you know, because last week he was like an addition to the that week's case. He was the case this week. And I was so excited when that happened. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, 
we're getting one more Wong trip. And then they even they even bring it up in the fourth wall. <laughs> Everybody loves Wong. It's like Twitter armor for a week. And they're 100% right. Like, they're 100% right. At the end of the day, we get Wong. Um, man, he is so going to be Clark Craig in this, isn't he? Um, mm. Olsen. Everybody knows Wong. Everybody yeah. knows Wong. It's crazy. Um, my first bit of good popcorn was settling into the humor. I feel like I covered that in my overall thoughts a little bit. I feel like we've settled into this sitcom, and I feel like I'm watching New Girl, and I really enjoy that. Right. Um, so I'm going to move on to my second yeah. uh, piece of good popcorn. She's a superstar, this Madison. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, I The moment I watched this episode a month ago, I knew that there was going to be so many people who love Madison. Uh, David, are you a Shit's Creek fan? No, I've not seen the show. Oh, Sorry. Recommend it very highly. It's a great show for you and your lady. Uh, Alexis, uh, Alexis shit on Shit's Creek mm-hmm. is an all-time TV character for me. Just the ooh David girl. You've seen her. Um, yeah. She is magnetic and amazing. I feel like Madison is Alexis Light, and I loved every second of it the bit where she is like well first it was scary and then it was fun then it was scary again then it was spooky but in a fun way i'm like you are perfect never stop talking um i thought she was great i thought putting her with wong is perfect you know we've gone from him singing beyonce to hanging out with madison watching sopranos like that's it's epic stuff and i think that uh madison is an all-time side character Along the lines of Darcy Lewis, Jimmy Woo, mm. um, and uh, the guy from Eternals. I forget his name. Friend of the show. Um, what was his name? I forget his name, too. He was great. The camera guy, though. He was wonderful. Yes. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> shout out, friend of the show. Good stuff. Uh, David, your second piece of good popcorn. Yeah. Uh, my second piece. Um, and I kind of forget what mine. Oh, right. <laughs> I almost forgot. This part was so good. Madison, uh, honestly, like I kind of. She, she, besides Wong, her humor and generally was mainly hit for me, like teetering on the like annoying bit, but also I thought like mainly nailed it. Like it was pretty, it was pretty funny throughout. Um, she did what the elf lady failed to do last week. God, she's way better than the elf lady. That's, that's a great point. Like she's both, they both have that annoying hint, but if it's funny, it's endearing. Yeah, she was funny. And, And her and Wong were such a, odd (laughs) odd couple um speaking of an odd couple the tinder date when finally or whatever matcher whatever yeah whatever they're non-branding it called um so when jen switches to like oh i'm gonna actually make a she-hulk you know she gets so convinced to make a she-hulk profile and of course i'm like oh yeah that's gonna light up dude of course and (laughs) i thought it was kind of stupid it's so like typical though like these first couple dates being so like uh just out of it not paying attention i'm like you gotta be kidding me man first off i think you know without the she-hulk stuff tatiana maslani i think is a very like good looking woman to begin with and it's like 100%. come on like this is almost like not realistic it's like one of those things <laughs> it's like it's like a movie star and you're just like yeah whatever anyway um but what but you, you have to think that there's guys out there right like that yeah. because like women wrote this show for the most part and like you have to think that's drawn from experience. Like that's a good point. These are some of the douchiest human beings we've ever seen on film. Like, <laughs> like uh, we didn't talk last week about old boy. Like that was elite douchebagism on yeah. TV. You know? Yeah. I'm sorry. That's continue. true. 
No, but when she finally finds the doctor who's attractive, who's nice, seems sensitive, that whole date was so funny. Like the moment when the demons are running around and Wong opens up the portal mm-hmm. and he's like, and there they are just like sitting there and Ooh. he's just like, uh-oh, <laughs> like didn't mean to interrupt <laughs> this. Um, I feel like he's like, I feel like a dad. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like go. a dad. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought all that was so great. Even honestly yeah. how it ended where mm-hmm. he's kind of like a jerk in the end. Like, he's like, uh, I'm going to go like, see you later. It's, it's been fun. Like he sees mm-hmm. Jen in a normal form. It's like, I got to go. Another one of those things I'm like, what? But I, okay. Like I, I get it. I, I guess um, it's just surprising to me. But in general, I thought that worked really well. I thought that was um, something that was interesting. Uh, and like, and just unique for the mm-hmm. MCU, right? Like kind of almost a real world with that, like she's literally seven feet tall twist. So I enjoyed that a lot. Absolutely. And I think what's really cool about her at the end of like being okay with it, she got hers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like they, they fucked and she's like, yeah, okay, whatever, dude, you know, screw yeah. you. Like I, they're embracing horny Hulk here. And I think that's a really good thing for this show because yeah. it allowed for a really great bit. And, um, yeah, just the the run of douchebags she had on that date montage, I thought was very fun. And I know it's cheesy, and I know we've seen it a hundred times. But when she finally gets to the good guy, now she's disinterested, and she's like, "Okay, buddy, what's your story?" It's just you know that's that. It, it's the nice chuckle <laughs> that I get watching this show that I'm thoroughly enjoying. Um, and to the fourth wall break is my last bit of good popcorn. I'm just loving the use of it. They're sprinkling. They're yes. very much sprinkling. Uh, there are times you want a fourth wall moment, but you don't get it. But, um, you know, I mentioned the Wong thing at the end, the bit about, huh, that's a plot twist at the end, uh, uh, at the end of the episode. Um, I just, I, I enjoy all the fourth wallness. And of course, the special place in my heart for the one last week where she's like combining the A and B story. Nice. That was good. Will, will forever be one of my great, greatest moments in TV history. Bad bitch energy. Hashtag bad bitch energy you know what i'm saying um, um and oh by the way something i didn't mention about last week if you are an old white on twitter who is mad that uh, she hulk twerked for 10 seconds you know that's fine <laughs> don't watch the show but if you're gonna get on twitter and say why is she twerking who's this even for motherfucker half of the population has been twerking for 20 years you know, like name a more popular dance in our lifetime than the twerk. I don't think you can. Like, like that every female in America, when they go out drinking, they're twerking. You know, like that. It's the what's this thing? It's the cabbage patch for ladies. <laughs> it really is. The cabbage patch for ladies. Cabbage patch is a go-to. <laughs> it's hard to mess up the cabbage patch, and I respect that about the dance. I'm a big cabbage patch fan. Let's move on to something I'm not a fan of, David. Something I don't enjoy in my life: burnt popcorn. Um, yeah, God. So, David, you wrote in our notes here. You wrote <laughs> the entire rest of the show. The- Personally, no notes. I have no burnt popcorn this week. So. What do you mean by the entire rest of the show for your burnt popcorn? I specifically, it's the, once again, so last week, the B plot with the elf sucked. This week, I thought the B plot with Donnie Blaze sucked. I'm like, I think this character is stupid. It seems kind of like, and this is my opinion. It seemed kind of like a forced way to like keep Wong in the show, even though I love that he was there. Like I already mentioned, I love that Wong was there. There's some fun moments. Um, 
you know, Madeline, I think had some funny moments like, and she was Madison. how we kind of Madison, sorry, not Madeline. Um, I, I don't mean to be a dick, but she's my new favorite character. So I got two ends, a Y and not in the spot. <laughs> you think. You <laughs> <laughs> Great line. Um, good writing. <laughs> but um, Donnie Blaze, dude, and his yeah. little like companion. I thought this was such a weak little like we're getting into the monster of the week scenario which i am not a fan of i don't think it's really helping me grow attached to anyone like i don't i almost wish that this show and maybe it's developing into that with the titania kind of like thing in the background but most of these shows and because they're so limited right i feel like there is this underlying and we don't know who the boss is too you know we mentioned that last week where there's like there is some sort of yeah something in the background but it's like Okay, we're back in the courtroom. I don't feel like I'm even, we're four episodes in. I don't feel like it's developed into a very interesting spot, even of her job as an attorney, as the superhero, like, uh, you know, Department of Superhero Law Division, right? Like, I don't feel like that's even developed in an interesting way so far. It almost just feels like very uh, case of the week, which is is purposeful, but I'm just not a fan. And Donnie Blaze, I didn't, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and like, you know, be a be mean to the actor or anything. I just didn't think it was a very charismatic character. I understand what it was going for, but I thought it was pretty campy and just didn't work for me. Simple as that. It didn't work for me. And then I had the thought, I'm like, why didn't Mordo already take care of this guy? <laughs> you know, thinking about <laughs> yeah, MCU canon, <laughs> right? I, I was the like, first thing I saw when I woke up this morning was, why didn't Mordo take care of this magician guy? I'm like, <laughs> David did this one. Yeah. <laughs> David's in his in his weeds about this. Yeah. So it was just I, I did I didn't love the like quote unquote villain. Um he was to me like a plot device. And I don't really enjoy when on a weekly show like this, where this feels very weekly, very network sitcom television, like who's this guy's signed on for one episode and what is he gonna be, right? He's a magician who also can sling ring a little, right? He was at Comartage. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting how legally they didn't have anything against him because yeah. there was nothing in writing. And Wong's like, you know, you uh, we answered to a higher power. Yeah, we answered higher power. <laughs> like he he devoted himself, and she's like, yeah, that in writing. And he's like, no. I did, I kind of wish. I think my bigger issue with like the show right now is I don't think it's a great law show, and I don't think it's in quite incredible like comedy where I'm dying laughing every time. So I think the issue for me is that. It's somewhere in between all of this and even a dating show, right? Like kind of the life of Jennifer Walters. There's and then the superhero show. There's so much happening where I don't know if they're really nailing anything for me. And I I wouldn't say they're doing anything great. And it's a weird place to be in because even a show like Moon Knight, which I was relatively low on comparatively. I know you were as well. That show did something that was really great with being a character study. And I really cared about, you know, the characters any any form of oscar isaac pretty much right like and then when we got to the penultimate episode i enjoyed like the background and things like that it was a very serious type of show so this one i understand it's not taking itself very seriously and there's a uh, a whimsy to that and something that's delightful to watch about it but stemming from what i wrote every the rest of the episode slash really donnie blaze here is that i'm not getting the sense of investment as we go forward and that's part of it so that's yeah. really it i mean I, I i like we mentioned at the beginning of talking about this segment we're heading in different directions me and you personally but i'm hoping episode five will turn things around for me where maybe we do get more information on 
you know, maybe a bigger boss and things like that. I also have one little note because I mentioned it last week is I am worried about the She-Hulk action. Um, I'm not interested in it still. Like even this beating little wombats out of the sky mm-hmm. was so just, I mean, that is like the epitome of just fodder, right? Level <laughs> just, two video games. Yeah. Punching random things. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a concern for the future of this character because in reality, you know, we want this to be a, you know, a legacy character continuing on the Hulk in some ways. We, we're going to get the Hulk still, but you know, you you would like to see her appear in something like an Avengers, another TV show and have an action role. So I'm currently concerned with her appearance with Daredevil and like suiting up and fighting right now. Maybe by then I won't, but I haven't loved her action since episode one when her and Hulk fought um, specifically because that was a cool back and forth. But since then, I haven't really loved the superhero parts of it. Sure. Um I want to touch on a lot of that. Um, you know, not, not I'm not, I'm not trying to change your mind on this show. It's just it's like it's so like everything you say you didn't like, I'm actually enjoying. It's just so interesting that, you know, it can like you said, perspective. Um on the action bit real quick. I agree that this action scene specifically was as, as very vanilla. It's a weird mission to put a Hulk in. You know, like like that that seems like more of a yeah. Spider-Man thing, like don't beat anything totally. up, throw it in this ring. Totally. Um, you know, that seems so I, I agree that that was just not the most interesting action sequence. I thought the quipping in the middle of it was good enough to keep me entertained through it. Mm-hmm. And the CGI looked really good in the action sequence, mm-hmm. um, um, I thought, which, you know, was impressive. You know, you just get to see more of Hulk in that because she's wearing the dress. Um, mm-hmm. the, the thing about like, first of all, like if you don't like the week of the week, like and not just you anybody if you don't like the monster of the week vibe i don't think this show is going to be for you in any way because it really feels like it's doing that like and and because i think the show in the first two episodes did such a good job hammering home what it is with the fourth wall with the comedic timing with all those different things i am so ready for that going in that i get to appreciate it a little more i didn't dislike donnie blaze a bit you know i i kind of found it kind of endearing that he wanted to do his magic, you know, the sleight of hand magic that we're familiar with, but the crowd, you know, after half the world disappears for five years and then comes back and there's like a bunch of alien attacks, you need a little more juice and he doesn't want to do it, but he does also with his sidekick. Did you notice who that was? I, I think it's the bus driver from Shang-Chi who gets knocked out. Oh, is that right? If it's not, they look exactly alike. They, they, could, both, yeah. they both look like not Morgan Freeman. It's crazy. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, it, it, like, yeah, it, they look very, very similar. But I just think that the, I, the fact that they committed so hard to this tone, I'm enjoying it thoroughly. And, and mm. I thought that uh, as far as the lawyer show stuff, mm. I've, I've really enjoyed the cases they've picked to touch on to just expound our understanding of what the MCU is. Like you think about it, like, you know, as far as like, what, what cases do you want She-Hulk to cover? You know, does anybody have this on their bingo card? What about a villain that we've seen who, you know, meant good, but did bad. How do we legally handle that? That's what Mia Blasky was. Even right. the elf last week that I did not like, but you know, new Asgardians live on earth. Now, how do they handle American law? You know, like, like what's what's their relationship with, you know, American law if they come overseas and stay here? And now this one 
what if someone's using magic when they're not supposed to, you know, like, like what, what does happen in that circumstance and the, the creative idea to take a legal approach as opposed to Wong, just kidnapping the guy or putting him in the mirror dimension or the dark dimension. Like he kept saying over and over, you know, <laughs> yeah, I would like to see it. that. Yeah. You know, just <laughs> the reference joke that Wong gets to do every once in a while, but I just, I, I think it's a really creative way to expound the MCU and I'm just, I'm, I'm bought in. I'm, I'm a fan of it. And you know, the, the, the junk food analogy is the best one. Mm. I have um, David. Let's dive into top plays, um, our favorite moments from the show, quick hits of our favorite lines or scenes. Um, do you have any on your list? Um, the one that we haven't mentioned yet is how um, Wong's watching The Sopranos, which I've oh. actually not seen. But the, the fact that um, oh, almost got the name wrong again. Madison yes. uh, <laughs> starts spoiling it for him, and he's like, "Oh gosh, like stop!" You know, I, it's such like a um, relatable moment, and just there, like that scene specifically, and then later on we get it too. It's kind of a running joke, but the first one I thought was maybe my funniest like moment of the show because mm-hmm. I, I thought that was like i don't know it, it was great writing and once again wong really uh he he played that great <laughs> yeah and and it was the opening scene of the show too and i remember right. the first time i watched this i was like oh my god wong's back like that was my first initial reaction i didn't know he was coming back for another episode you hear the theme song yep. and you're like oh wong is the man i want to hang out with wong so bad <laughs> but um you know when when madison comes in and spoils it and he finds out it was Donnie Blaze. When Wong goes, Donnie Blaze is going to pay. And then we get She-Hawk. I'm like, oh, he's going to take him to court. Like, like yeah, I, yep. it, it, it bought me in. I was roped in immediately to that case <laughs> because of the humor of that scene. Um, right. My first uh, top play of She-Hawk episode four, when Madison says her catchphrase, Madison with two Y, uh, one two Y, ends. two ends, yeah. but you don't know where the Y is. And then the judge has to goes, no, but you do need to spell your name for us. Like if it's spelled not like a regular Madison, you should spell it for us because we're right. in a legal court of law. And then she <laughs> spells it and they cut over to the lawyer of Donnie Blaze who who crosses the name off because he got it wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like she said her catchphrase and he guessed, like he tried, like he thought, oh, I bet it's here. And then he was wrong and he was upset about it. I thought that was, I genuinely like, you know, belly laugh. That was so funny to me. That yeah. quick little bit. The catchphrase isn't that funny, but the reaction to it, I thought was really funny. And that's that new girl shit. I'm a huge fan of. Uh, do you got any more? Uh, no, that was pretty much it. I think I've mentioned kind of everything else that I would have maybe in this segment. Right. So I enjoyed uh, we talked about the Tinder dates. I enjoyed the one specifically of the guy asking her all the questions like, so what are your powers? You know, what are you, you know, are you impenetrable to steal? What about vibranium? All that stuff. I thought that was very funny. Also. That guy's probably working for somebody, right? Mm, you maybe. know, doing a little intel. You know, yeah. like a superhero is dating the public. That's dangerous. Here's why. Yeah. You know, you can just tell somebody everything and they could be working for the bad guy. That's why I think we're going to transition into the superhero part a little better in the back half. Some mm. consequences, maybe. Yeah. Um, everything Nikki says, I find hilarious. Um, when the guy says, I would hate, I would hate for two beautiful women to be sitting here alone. She's like, well. You know, there's two of us, so by definition, you know, not really alone. <laughs> she's she's a delight. Um, and then uh, we talked about the cold open. Uh, let's head into the film room. Uh, God, football, David. Yep. We get to watch football tonight. I'm so excited. I know. I'm just so excited. Oh, yeah, um, 
the film room. My only CGI note from this week, I mentioned that I thought it looked really good in the battle scene. And during the Tinder bit, I thought it looked good in the night yeah. lighting, all that stuff. When she's in broad daylight in her suit, that's when it really stands out like a PS2 thing, man. That's yeah. and, and we talked about this early on in the review series here. The lighting is so important to her. And I think when you put that suit on her, it just makes it even harder for some reason because now you're contrasting colors. Even her in the suit in the alley last week, I thought looked better than it did in the office this week. So that's my only CGI note. What do you think about suit versus non-suit for She-Hulk here? Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I actually thought uh, the CGI to me was less distracting in this episode than last episode. So it seems like a bit of a mixed bag week in, week out. But in general, I thought it looked good, especially like her mm-hmm. face in certain yeah. spots. Like when she's doing the dating and talking, like when she's, when she's on the date with the guy. Um, the lip bite was kind of sexy. And like, yeah. and like to get that across is a, a feat, I feel. Like. All that. Like the, we had that moment from the trailer, right? Of like, oh, like, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. we're going to take those home, you know? All that in the in the yeah. bar with the doctor, then back at the apartment, then even the fight with Wong. I thought it all looked really good. Like I didn't, I wasn't mm-hmm. distracting to me, and that's a great sign. Um, really, I thought it was an improvement from last week. I totally agree with you. Where it in broad daylight in the, like the office, it's just like just just make it be Jen. Can it just be Jen? Like yeah. I like Tatiana Maslany. Can can we just see her? Um, I, I really don't mind her. I, and I understand for the plot of the show what why. Because right. we, we got a very explicit, you know, reason why. Because they want it to be She-Hulk for this new job. Mm-hmm. But this part of me, it's like, oh, man, why Why does that have to be? And we there was that quote before the show came out. Like, oh, we kind of regret, regret lying so much on CGI. Because she's just kind of sure. walks around as the character most of the time. And it worked most of this episode. I thought it was an improvement from last week. Yeah. And, and um, I'm excited to see where it goes forward from here. Um, the only other film... Uh, room note I had was I wish her fashion was better. That's stupid to say. Mm. I know because like why would why would Jen Walters be a hyper fashionable person? She's a bookworm. She's a study bug. All that different stuff. Um, I just wish she looked a little bit more fabulous. I guess mm. you know like I I I feel like she's wearing the same suit every episode. Yeah. No. I Is that wrong agree. To think, You're you right. know what I mean. So I, I I wish the wardrobe department had a little more creativity there. And I think that would help with the CGI. That's the other thing. You know, when you play 2K and your guys at press conferences and in those cut scenes where you got a black twin sister, even though you're a white kid from Indiana, um, God, Spike Lee ruined that game. But um, <laughs> all those different things. When you When you play 2K, every single press conference, you're in the same suit. And it feels yeah. very much like a video game because of that. That's kind of what I'm feeling here. Um, mm. Moving forward, we talked about the boss with the wrecking crew. Can't wait to figure out who that is. I wonder if this guy on that date asking all the questions is involved. And then uh, the cliffhanger we talked about. Uh, Tatiana, uh, Titania is suing for the name She-Hulk. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> you know, because they've hated yeah. the name the whole time. Now she <laughs> yeah and in this episode it's funny because they start kind of like turning on it right it's like oh i thought you like, you liked the name oh okay i'll make it she hulk and it, it, i do like that element and we've talked about it before where like she hulk became kind of a viral name it wasn't given to her she didn't come up with it you know like and that's happened actually a lot in um the mcu where someone just they they give them the, even like iron man right he didn't call himself iron man to begin with they were calling him iron man and then he's like I am Iron Man, right? And then, and then the MCU begins. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that's all really good. I'm excited to see her come back into the show because there was that weird flying kick in the first episode, and now it's just been, it's been kind of cricket since then. 
Um, that's what's so interesting about the show. It's like, I can't wait for it to all to be over and look back and be like, am I really going to care about, you know, the elf Donnie blaze, you know, as we continue on the journey, I'm, I'm interested if that'll continue like that trend of like, uh, you know, monster of the week or whatever case of the week, or we'll start getting more of a further direction and, Oh, the back half, that's where it really got good. At least, at least how, how I might view it. Right. Sure. Or it's oh, okay. Now we see her. Cause even think about a show like Hawkeye, right? There is a much more central like villain and plot happening to get invested in, even though it's, it's kind of similar where there's two heroes and I mean, kind of similar shows in a lot of sense, a lot of the senses, but we'll see. Um, I do hope maybe this lawsuit I, I kind of think it might just be the episode five case of the week. Um, if I was a betting man, that's what I would think. And I don't, I'm excited to hear about the boss. I'm co- I'm kind of hoping it's Fisk because for this like ground level yeah. MCU, uh, I think that would make some sense. Matt Murdoch's in the She-Hulk. show. Exactly. That would put She-Hulk in so many different branches of the MCU right away. Yeah. You know what I mean? Her Avengers eligibility, her street level eligibility at that point. Fantastic Four, still always an option for a character who's such a big part of that franchise. Love that. Yeah. It's it's also going to be interesting to see how they um like what her power set really is and what her power level is. Cause she is a yeah. Hulk. Like she's she's really strong and really powerful compared to some other people. So I'm curious how they're gonna handle that and not completely nerf her you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i want to see her do some cool shit is kind of my point like i really all of it's fun and good like the, the the comedy elements and how she's a lawyer and everything and like that's the main plot i wouldn't mind seeing her actually genuinely like kick some ass and do some really cool hulk stuff that we've seen in the mcu before i agree and i'm anxious to get there you know what i mean like yeah. if i had a negative to this episode is that we had an action scene that wasn't that yet but i also really appreciate that they're not this is such an arbitrary example, but like she's not catching a building from falling because she's not at that scale yet. You know what I mean? We, this is very much a lo- day in the life of Jennifer Walters. So I don't know if they've nerfed her because we have seen her do good action. Mm-hmm. We have seen it before. It's like it's like a, a football team who's losing a couple weeks in a row, but their fan base is like, you know, we were so good at the beginning of the season. We can get back to that. I don't know if they've nerfed her so far, but I do think they've nerfed her situations. You know, beating up a couple guys in an alley. This Spider-Man mission that we got this week. Uh, man, remember when he had to catch pigeons yep. on PS4? I do remember. That was terrible. Kind of fun. I don't know. There's kind of couple days. Oh, I, I was so bad at it, David. It I was, was so no, you, bad at it. <laughs> you know what was hard? And a similar example is in the Arkham games. I think Arkham City, you had to catch man bat. This like oh, giant yeah. bat. <laughs> And it was impossible yeah. <laughs> to freaking catch that thing in art as Batman. The pigeons were a little more fun, I thought. It, it was. It was. I was so bad at it. <laughs> it, it <took> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. So so I agree. I'm excited for her uh, circumstances to scale up. But um, the fact that they gave us that expo in episode one, showing us how good she is in action. I appreciate yep. um, this is a longer review than I thought we were going to have on this um, being on such opposite sides, but I'm excited for next week because I think, I, I think we are going to get monster of the week stuff. And, mm. and I, it is one of those things where it's more subjective than anything the MCU's ever done, but I am excited for hopefully this momentum of comedy that I feel to keep going. Cause if it gets funnier, it's, it's going to be, you know, off the rails as far as rankings, even though, 
I, I know the other shows are better, but did I enjoy them as much? That's what I'm looking forward to next week. David, yep. episode five coming next week, along with House of the Dragon, episode four. four and the Andor Primer, because the first three episodes of Andor drop in two weeks. Oh, my gosh. That is going to be overwhelming. That is going to be a flood when it is the first three episodes of Andor, She-Hulk episode six and then game of thrones episode five. Oh my gosh that's We're gonna, gonna be jump right into the episode that week yeah <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah hey everybody this is rick podcast and uh yeah and <laughs> she-hulk <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right all right we will see you guys next time she-hulk episode five wait a minute wait a minute doc uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? So, Doc, you're telling me that we got to go back to 2020? No, please, God, no. Damn. <laughs> I do not want to go back to 2020 in reality. Please, no. Right. <laughs> My favorite quote in all of Back to the Future is simply, Damn. <laughs> beautifully acted beautifully acted ladies and gentlemen welcome into the first ever mcu time machine so here's what we're going to do today back in 2020 back before wandavision this is right after d23 i believe um this is before david was even hired at the director if i'm not mistaken no i um, think i was there by now december Just, 2020 yep fresh it was okay. november 2020 all right well there you go never mind then so uh yeah. david if you remember I, I asked remember. every staff writer at the direct.com. These are people I consider experts in comic book movies um, because they are. Go check out the direct.com. We have an incredibly talented team. Um, we asked everybody to take a look at the future movies that Kevin Feige had just announced at D23 and San Diego Comic-Con um, or in 2019 San Diego Comic-Con, whatever, mm-hmm. before WandaVision to rank the 25 upcoming MCU projects by how excited you are about them. This is genuinely, to my knowledge, the first ever MCU hype rankings. Before we did it, this is our first one. I think a lot of shows like ours have adapted the hype rankings. And I'm very proud to see that across the board, but I feel like this was one of the first, right? Two years ago, we did the hype rankings for 25 upcoming projects. 15 of them have been released since then. Mm-hmm. 10 of them have were announced at the time, but haven't been released. We're going to talk about those in a second. So, Dave, from 15 to 1, from least excited to most excited, in December 2020, here is how excited we were for future Marvel content that has come out since. You ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm ready. And for anybody who's uh, confused about all this, we're going to put a link to this article in the description. So if you're listening, uh, click that link if you'd like to follow along. Um, it, all 25 are in there, but here's the 15 um, projects who have been released so far in their 2020 hype rankings. Here we go. Number 15, I Am Groot. Number 14, What If. Number 13, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. Not titled Attorney at Law at the time. Nope. Um, number 12, Miss Marvel. Number 11, Shang-Chi. Number 10, Moon Knight. Number 9, Black Widow. Number 8, Hawkeye. Number 7, Eternals. Number 6, Loki. Number 5, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Number 4, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Number 3, Thor Love and Thunder. Number 2, WandaVision. And number 1, formerly titled Spider-Man 3, Spider-Man No Way home a lot of interesting things to talk about here this is essentially what we 
as a staff predicted the rankings of phase four to be. Let's go through them from bottom to top really quick, David. Number 15 and 14, both animated projects. I am Groot and what if any surprises? No, not there. Um, yeah. Those to me, I remember, I kind of remember doing these rankings and being like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to put those at the bottom. Like I'm not, when you talk about hype, it's like expectations and excitement. Like, eh, I'm not going to be more curiosity. Yes, exactly. More mm-hmm. curiosity for sure. Yep. So I think I think we nailed it with those two. I think universally those would fall at 15 and 14 of these projects. Um, number 13 and 12, She-Hawk and Miss Marvel respectively. Now, She-Hawk's not done yet. I don't think it's fair for us to judge how good or bad it is in the rankings yet, right? Miss Marvel at 12. Very interesting to me. I think Miss Marvel, we thought, or we we were hype about it to the point of it being a bottom four phase four project. I would be shocked if that's the case if we revoted again today. David, your thoughts on Miss Marvel all the way down there at 12. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to hype, looking back, it's like, yeah, I get where it is. Now, if you look from today's point of view of like quality, it shoots up the list because I loved that show. Um, to me, what I find kind of disheartening about this list as we keep going is like, for Miss Marvel, it's like that was a show a lot of people weren't really super excited about, let's say, but really, you know, blew our expectations out of the water. But then some of the stuff that we did have high hopes for either met them or went a little a little under, you know, di- only to me, one of these superseded its expectation. Really? OK, so that's that's really interesting to me because I think uh, Miss Marvel at 12, Shang-Chi, maybe a couple. Yeah, I think Miss Marvel at 12, Shang-Chi at 11. Those are two projects that grossly outperformed what their hype ranking was. And I think that's a really awesome testament to phase four Marvel Studios. I have I have become the phase four flag bearer, David. I really have. I don't know. I don't know how it happened, but um, everybody hates phase four, even though we've had nothing but a good time for the past two years. I will say general (laughs) audiences. I get the sense are really like Marvel is definitely viewed in a different way even than it was in 2020 i would almost say right, right. like I, from for, i think since phase three ended marvel is definitely viewed in a different way and i think a lot of it is pulling bad clips and putting them on twitter and sure. doing it for fun right and almost mm-hmm. like trying to be you know the mob mentality right mm-hmm. of like oh Someone, you know, one bully in the room says this sucks. Let's all say it sucks. Exactly. And some people might just think it sucks. And that's totally your call. People have th- people have thought Marvel sucks since 2008 and never looked back. That's that's some people. Mm-hmm. A lot of people hopped on board and have been along for the ride and are keep going. So it is interesting looking at these rankings as we go along, because a lot of these you can tell like Shang-Chi, man. Shang-Chi is so at much 11. better than 11. Yeah. And even it's like, I wonder what my personal ones were, because it's like. Shang-Chi had a lot of potential to me like and it lived up to it for the most part like I thought it was ended up being a great movie and specifically for like the fighting style and all the family stuff like it ended up being a really fun flick a year ago that came out by the way it's nuts a year ago next week if I'm not this mistaken past week last week like I said um yeah and, <laughs> and I think I think that conversation you were alluding to about just like you know the perception of phase four that's something i want to do in grand scheme once wakanda forever comes out because yeah. i really yeah. I, I i i'm i just little tease for you know december in the direct podcast i want to spend a handful of episodes looking back at phase four and talking about 
you know, just how it went compared to the other phases. But sticking to this list, just, you know, these are two projects, I think, very much outshine their expectations. And they're two projects that introduce new characters, new D-list characters at that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Shang-Chi, Miss Marvel. Um, so I think that is a great sign for Marvel Studios still being able to do what they did in 2008 and introduce characters that the general public doesn't care about yet. Because, and, right. you know, no shot at you or anything, but a lot of people, you included, say, you know, there's no Iron Man, there's no Captain America, there's no Thor, where's my Avengers movie coming from? You know what I mean? The yeah. ability to introduce Miss Marvel and Shang-Chi to such high regard, I think is really um, a good sign for those movies. And the fact that they were so low on the high breakings, I think, supports that. Um, Moon Knight at 10, I think that fits. tier here in this list um just in the back half and um as far as reception i guess i don't really know where you're at with black widow thoughts on it being here at nine nine maybe uh after shang chi i should say yeah i mean pretty middling which i think was where the movie lies i'm kind of i think i guess i'm low on black widow in general like it's such a forgettable film to me like just so forgettable like Sure. Uh, you know, I think part of it is I'm glad that Scarlett Johansson got her own movie and I'm glad that the characters got out of it and there was some good humor. I remember being really funny. Like, I enjoyed the film. It's a movie that I'm like, oh, yeah, I'd watch it. It's fun. But I'm not this doesn't like rewatchability. Um, nothing truly sticks out. I feel like besides like David Harbour's jokes, <laughs> like I feel like he just kind of made me like belly laugh a couple times and I thought he was hilarious and it's a fine film, but it's not like upper echelon mcu because mm-hmm. it's in many ways it wasn't pushing the narrative forward it was living in the past you know it was it was literally taking place in the right. past it was a prequel of sorts and to me it's like it came and went no one is i feel like there's not a lot of crazy takes about black widow it was what it was we watched it at home or at this or in the theater it was that weird time and here it happened are. right yeah here we are and I think that Black Widow is the poster child for that narrative of the MCU not being connected. And, you know, you ask people, well, what do you mean it's not connected? And they go, well, look at Black Widow. It's, it's it, I call that the LeBron James argument where I tell somebody a basketball player is good. And then their response is, well, they're not better than LeBron James. Well, yeah, you know, fried chicken's not better than pizza. But what are we talking about here? Um <laughs> So I think Black Widow, um, interesting rankings. Now I think we get into projects that maybe um, let us down as far as the rankings. Skipping Hawkeye at eight. Eternals at seven. Sir, yeah, Eternals at seven is the big one. That is, and, and and you know, we can talk about the micro hype for all these movies. Every single one of these movies and shows got a different amount of hype leading up to it. Obviously, that's what marketing is, right? That's what a good trailer does for a movie. This is before any trailers had come out, except for the Disney Plus um, role of WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, and Loki. Yeah. Notice that they're all in the top six. This is before any Eternals trailer. Oscar hype. Best picture hype. It had the best director hype. Yeah. Yeah. Like it had everything. Yeah. It was, it was leading in the Vegas odds. Like the, like if you were to gamble on the Oscars, like Eternals had the best odds, I think as early as like, like a year ago, practically to win best picture, which is a crazy concept. Yeah. It's wild. So I think I look at Eternals here 
um, as kind of a, a Star Wars The Last Jedi situation where mm. they swung and tried to do something very different and it becomes polarizing because of that in nature. And yeah. the MCU has uh, afforded themselves that swing. I think we all agree on that, right? There, are, There is greatness within Eternals. But overall, it being number seven on the hype rankings and Oscar favorites to win the best picture, where it lands now, I think I would call Eternals a bust. Yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely when it comes to this is the lowest rated movie by critics in the MCU history, which is actually interesting to me because I think that wouldn't have happened. (laughs) What'd you say? It seems criticky. It seems like critics would love it. (laughs) Well, that's I think the reason that is is because there were those expectations. I feel like there is a bit of like going in of certain expectations, certain critics, you know, reviewing these kinds of films, different um a different outlook of what it's supposed to be. I like Eternals. I've seen it one time, saw it, I think, opening night, sat down, enjoyed my two hours and 30 minutes or whatever it was. Beautiful it was movie. a fine film. It, it, to me, it's it wasn't bad. Like, in oh. everyone I went with, we walked out like, that was pretty good. Like, that was fine. It wasn't groundbreaking. It was that that movie felt, um, in my opinion, felt, you know, separated from like, the ever-growing mcu in a lot of ways i mean we and we haven't even really gotten back to it quite yet and especially when they bring up these huge celestial like ideas and it's unfortunate and i it it was a prediction back last week with d23 where i think they are going to um bring up an internal sequel because i think that is their been their plan and they'll stick to their guns um it didn't make a lot of money so in that case it's a bust as well at seven but yeah looking back like to what we thought Eternals was. could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like what it was. That's, you know, it's funny to now thinking back, like, oh my gosh, Eternals. That could be Chloe Zhao, Oscar winning director, just said one for Nomadland is going to come out. It's going to be, it's going to reshape how we view MCU movies. And then it busts it for mm-hmm. a lot of people. I thought it was just like middle of the road MCU film. Pretty good, not spectacular, but I thought it was good. Right. And this is where the goalpost is different for the Marvel Studios than it is any other comic book franchise, right? Eternals is probably the best of other comic book franchises. Like, I don't know. I'd say Eternals would be better than the majority of DCU movies, if not all of them. You know what I mean? So a middle of the road MCU movie is by no means bad. You know what I Eternals mean? Eternals would definitely feel like DC, DCEU films would be like upper echelon. For sure. You know? So. It's just I, I think that it's a combination of right beforehand. And also that this is Eternals is the number one example of the MCU sheep fans that people hate. And, you know, hand up a lot of the times I am one of these people. But Eternals is was is the primary example of MCU fans sees it. And then the very next tweet is this is the greatest comic book movie ever made. Like, like it's not just the buzz leading up to it right out of theaters. People were calling it the greatest Marvel movie ever because it was different. And I think all of those expectations wrapped into people who actually saw the movie and saw it for what it was. It's this is this is just a prime example of it was never going to meet its expectations. It was ta- way overhyped when it first came out and it just it ends up falling. So I think the fact that it was at seven in 2020 is telling to just how hyped that movie was. And it was never going to meet that. Um, the last three Disney plus series, obviously the Holy Trinity of Disney plus WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, Loki. Um, I drafted the Super Bowl um, Disney plus sizzle reel in our trailers draft um, a year ago or something like that. I think it's one of the best they've ever done. Um, 
how do you how do you react to the rankings of those three? Those three are always so grouped together. You know what I mean? Because they're yeah. announced all at the same time. How do you how do you react to WandaVision, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, Loki being the order in the hype rankings? Yeah, I mean, so I do think this is skewed a little because we did this in December 2020 when the WandaVision, WandaVision hype. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I'm and that's how I do these rankings for the directs. Like when when something is closer, it goes up, right? Because I, I am literally more hype about it because it is mm-hmm. right around the corner. Like right now, Black Panther would be really, really high up behind like Avengers five and six. Yeah, right. Which is interesting. We weren't talking about in a second. Um <laughs> like right behind Avengers like five, six and all these different things. It's like it is it is the next thing Imminent. happening. Um I honestly feel like Loki is the kind of surprise here that to me really like shoots up because Loki is one of my favorite. I think according to my rankings would be my like number two on this list of like my favorite thing from phase four behind No Way Home. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure maybe Love and Thunder's up there too. Another very divisive film um, it's become. But I think really like. Those make sense to me. Those in general lived up to it. Like WandaVision rubs me the wrong way and a couple of things. And I don't like love it as much as others do. It's lower on my rankings, but uh, I still I don't pre- like how you said that. I don't like how you said others like that. Like others, you know, <laughs> other other people out there. For those who aren't watching, he did the air quotes and he like stuck his tongue out and did all this crazy <laughs> shit. Others, you know, I did not do all this crazy shit. I don't, um, <laughs> I don't think I did air quotes. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying that WandaVision for many for for a lot of it did live up to it in many ways. The fact that that weekly like the the craze around it, like and the intrigue and the interest, like that, I think lived up to it. Maybe not in the very end, personally, but the ride was crazy. Like that was a that is the only example that and Loki, I would say, where it felt like everyone was watching an MCU movie, just like mm-hmm. everyone goes out and see a sees a, yeah, or sorry, a series. I meant to say and like everyone goes out and sees an MCU movie like Multiverse mm-hmm. of Madness, for example. Um, like I feel like everyone saw that film and it felt like everyone watched WandaVision. Everyone watched Loki. Um, for others, it doesn't feel that way. I don't get that mm-hmm. kind of like feel and sense on the internet and amongst friends. Right. Uh, I think that these three being up here, I think, is a testament to how good Hawkeye and Miss Marvel were for me. At least um, those two would be above Falcon Winter Soldier um, and Loki for me. I think. Mm. Um, yeah. All, all those those five are all very good. Moon Knight's the only Marvel Disney Plus show I wouldn't consider great um, at this point. Um, and I know I'm the outsider on that in a lot of ways as well. Uh, but yeah, I think I, to me, I think these rankings make sense. You even said that this was the order they were coming out. So like, you know, for people deciding between Falcon Winter Soldier and Loki, Falcon Winter Soldier probably got the bump because it was coming out two months earlier. Yeah. Um, but I think that those all played up to their expectations. I think WandaVision might've passed it a little bit with the tone settingness that it gave uh phase four, but that's coming from a WandaVision stand. Um, I don't know which one to talk about first. So Thor, Love and Thunder <laughs> and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse Madness come in at three and four. Yeah. Uh, Thor, Love and Thunder. Let me just, I'll say a quick bit about that because I do want to talk about Multiverse Madness a little bit here. Thor, Love and Thunder, it was a comedy. Not everyone's going to universally love comedy as much as they love more dynamic movies because you either find it funny or you don't. So that's a lot of what that is. That is, you know, we please go listen to our Thor Love and Thunder review. We talk a lot about 
just this. Was it a letdown or not? Multiverse of Madness. Getting a little angry thinking about it. You know what I mean? Number four on the hype list back in 2020. That's huge. Obviously, the title does a lot for that. Definitely. Um, definitely. Uh, this was back when we thought Loki was going to be in the movie. I've said this before. I'm going to keep saying it. There was no movie set up to be elite more than Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness coming in to phase four. Even more than Thor Love and Thunder because Ragnarok was so good. It was going to be compared to Ragnarok, which brings down its potential to be better, right? You know, it's hard yeah. it's hard to beat a movie as good as Ragnarok. So that made me think, okay, Love and Thunder, if it's the second best Thor movie, how good could it really be? Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, it had the character we love. It had the concept we've been waiting for it had loki to build into it it had wandavision to build into it it had spider-man no way home to build into it it literally had three prequels if you really want to break it down into movies that added to the plot of multiverse of madness and it had and then the whole cameo thing it had the illuminati it had you know the x-men theme everything you can think of for it me personally, you know, if you love this movie, fine. I think universally it's a middle tier MCU movie. I don't think it's in anybody's top 10, top 12. And, and when I say anybody, of course, you know, there's probably a handful of people. I think consensus it is a, it's not in the top 12. For that to be the case, I think cons- makes this such a letdown because it was so set up to be great. It's not even like Eternals where everybody's like, oh, this could be great. This is like, oh, this should be great. And I think it was just good. And I think Sam Raimi's got a lot to do with that. That's, you know, me just not loving Sam Raimi's style, specifically with comic book movies. But um, David, just want to get your thoughts. I genuinely believe Multiverse of Madness should have been elite. And the fact that it wasn't makes it worse than maybe it actually is. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a sad thing looking back at these because when you in 2020, you're like, man, what you what you think is that the sequel is going to be better than the predecessor, meaning Multiverse of Madness could be better than Doctor Strange. To me, it is not. To me, it's like you said, middling. Um, I actually enjoy the movie. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it is either. You know, it's interesting doing MCU rankings of any kind now because it's such like a it's so weighted in certain ways, like and everyone has their own opinion, too. But to me, Multiverse of Madness didn't live up to the hype, but I thought it was still good. It made a shit ton of money, almost a billion dollars. And it's just sad looking back because of what could have been where it wasn't this grand scale event movie that it kind of promised to be. It actually was a little bit smaller, Um, but the name definitely helped out. I'm not surprised it ranked this high in the hype rankings. And I mean, Thor Thor Love and Thunder, I know for some people, definitely let people down. If they had it at number three or around there, I and love I I enjoyed the movie, um, Love and Thunder. I actually, you know, we talked about it, Richard, in the review. Like we were all actually pretty high on it. Very divisive film. Um, I thought they handled, you know, the the balance between a lot of a lot of humor, like probably overdone with the humor, but some of the serious, more somber moments. I thought they did so great. Like, yeah. and it's so underrated part, such an underrated part of the film. I'm excited to rewatch it for those moments and. Even just the action I thought was really well done. It's not Ragnarok, though. Right. It's another thing where trying to beat out the predecessor. It's not Ragnarok. It's not as good as Ragnarok. I think Love and Thunder behind No Way Home is my highest rated MCU thing for phase four. And that's probably a controversial take, you know, now sitting here in September, because a lot of people 
really flamed out on Love and Thunder. Kind of were like, ah, okay, we're over Taika in the MCU. Um, Hemsworth is here for the check, stuff like that. Like I'm, I'm seeing those kind of comments on the internet. It's like, damn, like I thought it was good. Was it top tier? No, right? Was it Ragnarok? No, but I thought it was really good. I, I've had mm-hmm. a great time, to- a great time in the theater watching it. So I don't yeah, know. It's interesting. It's all about ex- expectations. It's all those, it's those hype rankings are all about is expectations. Yeah, and I think that it's a it's interesting that Love and Thunder was over Multiverse of Madness simply because. You know, Love and Thunder, I think we were all excited because we wanted Ragnarok again. Multiverse of Madness, I think we were excited because this could change everything. And this could be this could be what everybody said Eternals was going to be. We don't look at comic book movies the same anymore. And I think it's really interesting comparing Multiverse of Madness to Spider-Man No Way Home, which was number one on the hype rankings, as it should have been. Yep. Multiverse of Madness was set up in so many ways to be great that the narrative I had going in was there's no way it can't be great, right? There's no way with all the pieces in play, with all the story they've already told, with the fact that we've seen Doctor Strange five times since his first movie, you know, they they have no groundwork to build. It's already built for them. They have been handed the keys to a great movie. They can't mess it up. I, In my opinion, in some ways they did. Spider-Man No Way Home, I think is on the opposite end of the spectrum. It's like, Oh my gosh, they're bringing in Jamie Foxx. They're bringing in Andrew Garfield. They're bringing in all these different cameos. This is such a small scale hero in in jest. How are they going to expand it so big? Is it going to get into the way? All these things, you know, like there's, you know, there's no way it's going to be as good as it can be, right? And then it was. So I think Spider-Man No Way Home is an example of the inverse of Multiverse of Madness where if you're set up to be great and you're not, I think you're looked at a little worse than maybe you are. If you're set up to, you know, this could either be amazing or horrible and it's amazing, you maybe looked at better than what you are like on paper. And I think No Way Home is a great example. It has the end game vibe where it's like there's no way they can pull this off, but they do. When yeah. they can pull off something and, when, and, and it's the WandaVision analogy I made. Back in uh, the very first episode of WandaVision, it's the first sports analogy I made on this podcast, actually. When you take a big swing in baseball, two things are going to happen. You're either going to miss completely and look like an idiot, or you're going to get a hold of that thing and it's going to go forever. Mm-hmm. The bigger the swing, the bigger variance of what's going to happen. Uh, I'm sorry. The bigger the swing, the bigger chance it's going to be great and the bigger chance it's going to be a failure. And I think when you get a hold of something, you can really feel it. And when you miss it, you feel it even more. Yep. That's what Multiverse of Madness No Way Home is to me. One of them, they made no contact. The other one, they took into left field over Addison. Chilling in McKinley's getting a beer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, I don't have to talk about No Way Home that much. Like this, it superseded my insanely high expectations. Like, I'm glad. It's crazy because there was all the leaks um, and the marketing was a bit all over the place. But like in general, I'm happy in the marketing. They did not show Andrew or Toby like they they handled that to me, I think, so well with like there's all these leaks happening. But you know what? We're not going to show them ever. We're, we're just not going to do it until months later. Not even like when it was in theaters. They didn't tease them at all. Ends up making almost two billion dollars. Everyone and their brother went and saw this film. It was really the first movie from co- after covid that was like everyone is going to see this movie. And to me, I said it before when it before it came out, because I'm a huge Spider-Man fan and like just a crazy fan of like McGuire, Garfield and Holland. And I, I literally said it um, that if this movie comes out and they're in it, I can like retire from comic book movies. And I still kind of feel that way. 
I'm not going to because I love them. But there's part of me where it's like, what else could this genre of film give me that I have that, that I don't want? Like th- that was just so special to me personally. It honestly, like I'm still so invested in this stuff because that's just who I am. <laughs> it just runs in my veins. But there is a part of me that's like, damn, like my perspective has almost changed. You know, it's all kind of icing in some in some cases to me now. It's like that was just so cool <laughs> and just an incredible spectacle to see and like just an amazing time in just space of the fandom and like the crowds and the craziness it was like can't believe they pulled it off and it is it's i love seeing it number one and it lived up to it it's so satisfying mm-hmm. that that if if no way home had tanked or been bad it would have been such a disappointment you know, but it, it didn't. Like you said, it, they swung yeah. and they knocked that thing out of the park. So anyway, No Way Home has honestly changed my perspective on a lot of this stuff just because it's like, how could they for hype, right? We're talking about hype right now. How can mm-hmm. you almost supersede that in many ways? It's so crazy. You're saying that two years after Avengers Endgame, the biggest movie of all time. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like obviously, you know, you're a very special case because you're the Spider-Man guy. But like Avengers Endgame is double what no way home was just because it was 23 movies you know? yeah exactly <laughs> like it's insane it's so crazy they were able to do it and like in you know we've talked about this in link so I, i'm not worried about like offending you or anything but like you're the kind of person that worried me about no way home toby and andrew were in it automatically the best movie i've ever seen right and then it was the best movie you ever saw you right know? Like, that's the thing like, yeah they did both <laughs> Yeah, they, those things. yeah exactly they made it a great movie around the cameos yes. they use they use them as a tool to build holland's character like the way they handled it is just like i mean it's it's mind boggling like even that's what's crazy about thinking about no way home from 2020 is like you were expecting awesome cameo if that happens that'd be that would just blow my mind to see them on the screen and then it turns out they had this pivotal role it plays beautifully, like, and we we get them for like almost half the movie. You know, it wasn't just like, "Hey, what's going on, guys?" Like, it, it really <laughs> they they embraced it so much, and they they it just perfect. Honestly, like ninety nine point nine percent, like perfectly handling that situation. And they gave them, and we got the cameos immediately after the best death scene in MCU history. Are yeah, arguably correct. Yeah, exactly. If if it's not one, it's two. You know and I mean? Holland, like yeah. I'm oh, sorry. I was gonna say, hey, and Holland steps up his acting level to me. 100%. His chops, like, I mean, his best performance as the character. Yeah. It... Come, Maybe on, not? Come on, Spider Man's pretty great. That's that's ex- I compl- He's. I mean, he's great in the he's role. Great. He's um, He's great in the role in Civil War. But anyway. he's the best Spider Man. Um, we can gloat the- about No Way Home till the cows come home, and I <laughs> we've I done it be- twice on this podcast. <laughs> we have, and I am just very. I am interested thinking about this in 2022 right now. What we're going to be thinking about when it comes to Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars? Because yeah. to me, that is the next like event level mm-hmm. movie that can melt our minds. And I'm curious how that works when yep. you come, when you think of those big swings. That mm-hmm. is that movie, right? That what's going to happen with that? We're one trailer away from Thunderbolts or No Way Home being that movie as well. Um, really quick, there are ten projects in the 2020 high breakings that have still yet to be released. Um, in order from one to ten, so here are the unreleased projects in the high breakings. 
Fantastic Four, number one, Guardians of the Galaxy, volume three, number two, The Marvels, number three, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, number four, Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania, number five, Secret Invasion, number six, Guardians Holiday Special, what? At number seven, uh, Armor Wars at eight, Blade at nine, and Ironheart at ten. The only thing I'll have to say about this is that I think Guardians of the Galaxy, volume three, moves up to number one after the John Watts firing or leaving Fantastic Four. Um, John Watts still attached Fantastic Four. I think I still have a number one. With Shackman, I think Guardians moves up just one above it. Not that I'm knocking Fantastic Four down in a big way. And then um, I don't think anybody would put the holiday special above Armor Wars, Blade, or Ironheart, even though we know nothing about Armor Wars or Blade. Yeah, and we know less about Armor Wars than we do Blade, at least as of recording. You know, maybe this weekend that'll change. Uh, I'm surprised Blade is so low. Um, Everything else kind of adds up to me. I'm kind of surprised Black Panther is a surprise to me. Um, I'm surprised it's higher, or sorry, I'm surprised it's lower than the Marvels. Um, especially in 2020, uh, when we did this, because in 2022, I'm more excited than the Marvels than I was then. And then it was exactly. Captain Marvel 2, right? And it's like mm-hmm. Captain Marvel 2, like, okay, I'll, I'll go see it, but I didn't love the first one at all. I thought it was perfectly fine. Um, not even, and not good. Like, I, I, did, I didn't really enjoy that movie. Black Panther, oh my gosh, I maybe that was, you know. Chadwick Boseman had recently passed away when we did this. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if maybe that was a, a part of it where people are just like, I'm not excited for this because I don't was. Right. So that's that's part of it now. Like you like we just talked about, like this would now be higher in my ranking. I agree with the Fantastic Four bit um, because Watts is no longer attached. I do think it's just in the top three. But Guardians to me is number one on here. Um, sure. Right. If you ask me right now to do this, it would be number one for sure, because mm-hmm. I think based on. I know you went dark for this, but I, I saw and read some like descriptions of the footage at Comic-Con mm-hmm. based on that. It's like, God, I it's cannot wait for guess. this movie. You know, I, it's just I it's going to be this is a legacy um, kind of early MCU team and story that I cannot wait to see come to an end. Mm-hmm. Six years, six after the sequel after volume two like mm-hmm. long time coming gun went and did his hiatus with dc after he was fired from marvel for a little bit now Crushed he's it. back finishing the story i it feels very familial to me mm-hmm. and i cannot i feel so attached to that franchise and i'm not even i love the first one i'm not like the biggest advocate for the second one i don't think it was as good as the first one in my opinion but god i cannot wait for volume three like that movie is going to be special in many ways yeah, I mean, everybody knows that's my favorite franchise, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, my favorite movie of all time. Um, and uh, Tim Geddes said it himself, you know, this movie has the potential to be the best MCU movie ever, just based on everything around it. And yeah. that's what No Way Home had. You know what I mean? It had the potential because of the buildup. This has that as well. Yeah. Um, and I think it's interesting that I agree. I think it would go Guardians, Fantastic Four, Wakanda Forever for me. Well, Connor Forever, in my opinion, has the greatest trailer in comic book oh movie my history. Gosh. And um, and you know, that just tells you what a trailer can do for movies, ladies and gentlemen. That has been our time machine. I don't know when we'll be back. I don't know when it makes sense to be back, but go check out our hype rankings for phase five projects over on the direct.com written by the machine himself, Richard Nebbins. David, let's finally talk about the iron brand. Let's move over to Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon. Ladies and gentlemen, that was an episode of The Direct Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Remember, bonus episode for G23 coming on Sunday. We're going to record in the morning, 
get it edited and turned around as soon as we can. We wanted to sleep on it and also write a whole bunch of articles over on the direct.com where you can follow for all the latest news coming out of D23 for both Marvel and Star Wars, something we didn't talk about, David. I'm excited yeah. for the video game announcements. Yeah. You think we get a trailer? Um, I don't know. Spider-Man or Wolverine. Or is that an expectation at D23? I mean, they're having a whole video game panel, and Disney Plus did tweet that snicket. Tweet. Oh, um, interesting. The Wolverine trailer watch. Okay, I'm on. I'm on watch. Sounds good. Um, House of the Dragon, episode three. I want to start this off by saying one thing. I want to party with the Game of Thrones people in the woods. That tent. The town they built around it, they had dining room tables in there, carpet, oh. <laughs> air conditioning, I think. <laughs> Holy hell, is, is that hunting? Because I grew up, I thought hunting was cold. I thought hunting, <laughs> you were hungry. I thought hunting was, you know, just a lot of waiting. That looks like a party, dude. Right. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Um, how, how early do you think the people who set up the tent had to get out there and do that? I don't know. That is a great call. Do you notice just how big that tent was? It was yeah. insane. That's a, that's a really good call because I did I didn't really notice. And now you're that you're saying it. Yeah, that that's a good that's a good point because and it, it's it's typical of Game of Thrones, I'd say. You know, mm-hmm. the kind of grand scale. Uh, David, what was your favorite part of episode three? The end. Uh, oh. da- Damon <laughs> says no words. <laughs> Damon does not totally. speak. Uh, it's interesting in this show how we're like getting like segments of time passing without really knowing it going into the next episode it's not like on the next next time on house of dragon it'll be three years later right it's like no we we jump into the episode we're gonna have no idea where we're gonna be in the, the timeline of this story and we just go from there i, I think so the battle of the what, the what is it again um where the crabs are oh my I'm, gosh uh, i'm thinking you keep going okay so that battle that war maybe you know it's been going on for a while now and we get to the end of this episode and there's a strategy of like, who's going to, you know, go in there by themselves. Damon gets a letter from his brother, the king. Uh, Viserys. What's that? War of the Stepstones. Stepstones. Yeah. War of the Stepstones. And um, we have the Valerians, basically. Uh, and then also Peace being snakes. helped. Yeah. Yeah. And right. being helped out by Damon and the, the Night's Watch, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been happening for a few years now. So that was interesting. I think they did a pretty good job of showing like how that. there has been time. Like this has been a thing happening. Um, you, you're even seeing the like familial, like family drama. in the, what is it? The um, Valerians? Is that it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I'm, I've been calling them the sea snakes. Sea snakes. That works. For lack of a better name. With the sea snakes, um, I loved the uh, the sun, sun sea, sea, sea snake, <laughs> we'll call him on the dragon. But anyway, just Damon going in there, great action scene, avoiding going zigzag, avoiding the, the um, arrows, getting in close, eventually off screen, killing Mr. Krabs or whatever his name is. The crab, crab feeder, crab feeder, creepy, creepy, Crush um. It. And just God, like there was that one moment where I think it's uh, 
Caraxes is or something like that is I'm we are terrible with the names and I'm I'm specifically with this That's show. You got you got to lean into the nicknames. That does help. <laughs> Damon's dragon yeah. uh, with the long <laughs> neck, long ass neck. Yeah, <laughs> he was awesome. There's that one scene where like he his yeah. fire breathing is like lighting up the screen and it's yeah, dark cool. out. That was amazing and just his eyes wow. first. Yeah, so cool. Sick. Like that was just I love how this show. We're three episodes in. It keeps giving us just those little teases of dragon just awesomeness, just mm-hmm. badassery, where mm-hmm. it's like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. You for, you almost forget about the dragons. And it's like, oh yeah, this show is called House of the Dragon. Like, we are going to get dragons. And um, so my, my favorite part was the end. What, what was your favorite part? Uh, on the end, really quick, I thought that was just a really awesome way to, like, you know, you hear about these legends uh, all the way throughout Game of Thrones, like, you know, oh, this Targaryen soldier, he's a legend. And, you know, this this Baratheon soldier, he's a legend. Like, there's all these fairy tale about these people we're watching on the show. They showed us one of those. You know what I mean? The war for the the war for the uh, Stepstones is like something that will be in a book. And like this battle will be a part of it. And they they did a really good job showing that. And I thought that was awesome. They do the off screen kill the villain before we even get to know him thing. And, you know, that that's going to, you know, if this was an MCU movie, this episode would be getting dragged because they killed off a villain right away. Um, yeah. But this is a, this is a tactic you use to show how much of a badass Damon is, and I think they nailed it. The creepiness of the crab feeder just looking up at the sky, worried the whole time, and slowly sending his guys out. I thought they played that up really well. I thought that was yeah. well done. Yeah. Um, the the other side of this, obviously, is the pol- the political side of things. Um, I don't trust Artemis at all. Mm-hmm. I think she's going to be the one who kills the king because um, he's dead. Especially if he keeps oh. drinking. You got to stop drinking, bub. Dude, Viserys, <laughs> I wanted to talk about him. He's such a fun like mechanism just he's to amazing. show who is not, who should not be on the throne. It yeah. is Viserys. You know, who who is not um, capable of sitting on the Iron Throne? The little details, like he gets cut on the throne. Um, this episode, he's too much of a wimp to like kill the animal on the first try. It's the little subtleties, right? Like, you know, a, a right. true like king of the mm-hmm. throne would just like, you know, be rash, be um, not so decisive. Like, de- yeah, exactly decisive. Like this guy has no idea what he's doing. He doesn't know what he wants. There's the whole part where he's like talking to Allison of like, did I make a mistake? Did I not? Like he's just. He's not fit. He's not fit to be king. And I love seeing what I feel is his downfall and will eventually get probably his death because it seems to all be leading to that because because of the emphasis they have on the air. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think that part's great. I thought it was awesome jumping three years ahead, getting Rhaenyra's now new personality, um, being pissed and bitter. Um, bitter. Awesome. I, I'm going to miss um, that actress um when she gets aged up because uh she's done a great job so far Mm -hmm. yeah she's fantastic she's got a bright future i think one more thing on the series really quick it's it's so interesting how they're playing with us as a viewer we've seen this game we know how ruthless you need to be in order to win the game of thrones and the people in the show who are actively playing Otto. Um, Damon, uh, the sea snake, other Otto, people for sure, yeah, other people who are actually playing Allison. Um, they understand that Viserys isn't mentally built to play the game, but why would Viserys think that he's not? You know, in his mind, 
It's peace. Keep peace. Always be trying to keep peace. That's your job as the king is to keep the peace. But we know because we've seen the Game of Thrones played out and the people playing the game know you need to be more ruthless than that. I love how in, in the universe, Viserys doesn't understand why he's not built. But because we've seen Cersei, we've seen, you know, Danny, we've seen Jon Snow, we've seen Robert Baratheon. We know what it takes to be king and Viserys ain't it. It's right. just, nope. I love, I love that. I love how they're playing with that. Um, yeah. Last thing, Renera and just the most handsome motherfucker. Yeah. Christian Colt, I think his name is. Yeah. Christian Colt. Look, look at son of a bitch. I love how they got his mask off of this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That whole bit, I think, is great. They got great chemistry. It's it's friendly yet sexual. And I think it's going to continue to play out moving forward. Her killing the boar, badass. The white deer coming to her instead of the dad, badass. And I just think awesome. they, they keep doing great things to set up Renera to when it comes time for her to stand up and defend her right as the heir, it's going to feel earned. We're going to buy it. We're going to be bought in on it. Yeah. And um, one last thing I forgot to mention about the series. We know he's kind of being played for the fool. So damn lovable, though. And that's just great casting. Yeah. You know, Patty, whatever his name is. You know, we we are all still rooting for the series, even though we know it's not going to go well. Yeah. You know, he's, the, he's the Bengals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like he's kind of just like stumbling through this. He doesn't really know what he's doing. Otto is really the one puppet mastering all of this, which is such a great puppetry. You know, Gosh, having man. his daughter um mary birth now it's going to be two children about a bunch of kids (laughs) the heir to the throne is now his grandson like how convenient is that it's just so interesting i i I love the political um storyline so far like that's where i think it actually is thriving the most like the last the ending of the episode was the excitement the pop the fun um the Mm -hmm. battle like the spark but really yeah the the political storyline of like this current time in Westeros is really interesting. Even just like they need an heir for Rhaenyra. That's a whole thing. Like she's, it's a kind of a coming of age for her in many ways. We see now Alicent has just kind of become this tool for her father and is really kind of switched sides. Don't trust her. Don't trust her at all, dude. Like, I and love- then Good. I-, I was going to say, and then it makes you like, root for damon so damon, much more exactly. and i was already like i was already team damon like he, i think uh-huh. matt smith is killing it in that role and it's like god like now it's like is he really at fault like who i love about what i love about the political um part of the show is like who are we really who's really the villain right <laughs> you don't know yeah. right now even yeah. like this this the 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 war happening it's like who the like who am I even rooting for? Like, why do yeah. I care? I'm not rooting for this the Mr. Krabs and the crab people. That yeah. that is just terrifying. But it's like it's this whole big struggle, and Viserys finally decides he wants to do this. By the way, with all that, why is the war hap- or the battle, the war taking so long when they have dragons? <laughs> well, no, that's that's a really awesome thing that they did, I think, is they and they were talking about it before Damon showed up, real quick. When the soldier is like, oh, my king has come to save me and gets stepped on by a dragon, that's yeah. good Game of Thrones because you hate yeah. and love Damon all at the same time. Yeah. Um, they were talking before Damon showed up, the Sea Snake family, um, his brother also, I really like. That's a big motherfucker. Um, they were like, 
they're all in the caves. We can't use the dragons if they're in the caves. This is a stalemate and they're winning because they're crab people. We need to send somebody in there to draw them out so we can use our dragons. Right. And like, right. Who are they? Who are we going to send in to be our pawn? Who's going to sacrifice themselves like that? And everybody but the sea snake and his son are like, it's Damon. He's a dick. It's got to yeah. be Damon. You know what yeah. I mean? And then Damon shows up. He's like, you know what? Fine. I'll do it and I'll win. Yeah. And I love that. I and the reason he does do it is because he doesn't want his brother to get any kind of credit for this. Exactly. I'd rather die. And you guys were going to send me in anyway. So watch me do me. You know what right. I mean? It really is, is a Steph Curry awesome. moment for him. And yeah. I, it's, I, I thought that was such a cool way to keep us endeared with Damon, who is objectively a, a dick. Like, just like Cersei, one of the most horrible characters of all time. Man, I love Cersei. <laughs> you know and i love the triple threat match coming into whenever the series whenever that hole is going to be presented by the series we have renera who's obviously the main character and we love her because she's charismatic charming and a good person john snow um we love damon because he's a badass and he cares for Viserys. He cares for Renera. You know, we've seen him do the family thing briefly, but we've seen it. Yeah. And then we have then we have Alicent and Otto in the High Towers playing the political side of things. Well, technically, you know, firstborn son. Well, technically, fuck you. That's that Cersei <laughs> shit. That's that Cersei yeah. thing where like I'm gonna play the technical game until I lose. Oh, by the way, I'll probably kill you in the process. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Ladies and gentlemen. House of the Dragon episode three. We'll be coming back next week with House of the Dragon episode four, She-Hawk episode five, and uh, and or primer. Correct? Yeah, that sounds about... Wait. Yeah? yeah. Is that right? A little and or primer next week. There's not a lot there, but there's stuff. Yeah. And uh, probably there's a pretty stuff. big draft because after next week, we will be doing three reviews a week. Oh my She-Hulk and or and House of the Dragon. So a lot more mini features, no features um, while yeah. that's going on. Uh, the first week will be no features at all, mini or otherwise. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, the direct podcast. We will see you next time. Yeah.